I just say I don't like how they measure audio with this negative shit? I mean, it's just it's it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's just setting you up for failure. It's a scale of what one to negative. What, where do you think they should start at one? I have no clue. Or I don't know. Positive. I don't even know what it stands for. I've been working with audio for it's, years. It's decibels. Decibels? Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck but how off. do you have negative ones? Are we like taking sound out of the room? <laughs> All right, now I'm testing. Yeah, them. answer that one, asshole. We're not gonna do like a stupid intro and say our names or anything like that, right? Nah. Right, we're already going, I, aren't we? I this mean, is this it. is a f this is first only. They should know our names. I mean, they may not remember you. It's been a while, but the rest of us they know. Is this one first only? Oh no, this one's for everybody. That's right. Okay, Fuck. Good. we should announce who we don't, are. Don't say no. <laughs> Why? Who cares? <laughs> Won't they figure it out slowly? Jeff, I'll just say your name, and then people will know you're Jeff. All right. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I, I'm Bernie's friend, Jeff. I'm Jeff. So Jeff, you'll appreciate this. I have had a lot of time to reflect on my career over the past oh, few months, really? and I've yeah, reached one conclusion basically, and it's inspired okay. by you. Yeah. I wish I had done a lot more drugs. <laughs> I, seriously, it's like my one regret looking back is I wish, I don't know why, I was watching Wolf of Wall Street, you watch these fucking idiots, every Scorsese movie is essentially the same thing, where it's, you're watching these guys and they're these really cool characters, but then if you look at it, it's like, they're robbing people blind, they're like robbing normal everyday citizens, or in like the case of Goodfellas, they're fucking killing people, mm -hmm. real people, and these are true stories, but you give it enough time and it's like, who gives a shit, nobody, nobody cares. You give it enough time and then... Then Henry Hill becomes a lovable old drunk who uh, you love to hear talk on, on the radio. Yeah, then, exactly. uh, then all of a sudden Steve Martin's playing him in My Blue Heaven in a follow-up movie that nobody realizes is connected. That's a great is that true? movie. Is that Henry Hill? Yeah, Steve Martin's character yeah. in My Blue Heaven is Henry Hill. I didn't know that. There you go. Fucking, that's it. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, see you all next week. <laughs> well, those, some fucking jackass will clip the, where we talked about this eight and a half years ago for two seconds <laughs> and, and how I definitely knew that S Steve Martin was playing Henry Hill in my blue heaven podcasting for 10, 10 plus years really makes you realize how much you forget shit or maybe just it never registered to begin with yeah it's just if anybody recorded two to three hours of their thoughts every day they would become a hypocrite within three weeks I was talking last week about how I'd never used a plunger, but I couldn't verify that. I thought maybe it might have. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want someone to come jump it out and be like, actually, in uh, 2007, Gavin used this plunger. That's, just, that's the shit I worry about now. Yeah, exactly. There's an, there's an RTAA with you using a plunger. <laughs> uh. And isn't that weird, Gavin, that somebody would know that you were, I'm assuming that when you're using a plunger, you were by yourself, alone in a bathroom. <laughs> And that someone in the world at one point would know about that. And that Do you think they you sell double-ended plungers? <laughs> you might have had like a coach. Like someone walking me A double-ended plunger is called a stick. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you, Bertie. Uh, it's not plunger related. But you said that you were, in, you were going down this line of thinking about drugs because you were inspired by me. Yeah. Is that because I've lamented not doing more drugs or because you have the impression I've done a lot of drugs? No, not because you're a drunk. Here's the thing is that... That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Once a drunk, always a drunk. That's definitely like, true. There's no way, there's no way that like over time the shitty stuff that I've done can be made into like a hit movie or like Leonardo DiCaprio could portray me. Because I got, I have no excuse for any of the dumb, stupid shit that I've done. I'm just a dumbass or an asshole. Whereas, like you, 
have this awesome out because you're an alcoholic. <laughs> Where it's like someone could win an Academy Award doing that. No, or it's like Gus. It's like it, somebody could just say, you know, if not, not using Jeff as an example, even though he completely fits this description. If you Go do st- stupid, horrible stuff in your life. And you're like, oh, yeah, I did this stuff and I stole a bunch of money or whatever. Not that Jeff stole money that I know of. Uh, or did, <laughs> did all these horrible things to people or treated them poorly. But I was in a really bad place in my life. I was, I was an alcoholic or I was addicted to drugs. And I've since cleaned myself up. Then I was like, oh, I, I don't have that. Like, there's nothing I can do to clean myself up. As long as you say sorry in a really sincere way and say you've cleaned your life up, it's like a free pass for every shitty thing you did before that. Yeah, but you're giving yourself a hard out. You're, you're making it sound like you've. You're, this is the end now. You could walk out tomorrow and kill someone if you wanted to and then recover from that. Or, or dude, what are you, 46 years old, Bernie? 47. Why don't you, you. 47. Why don't you start doing drugs? That's my <laughs> What's plan. Here? Seriously, here's my problem is that I wish I had started younger. <laughs> Shout out to all the younger kids. Do drugs. Your body can oh. take it. My my body cannot take it. I don't think at this point. Well, just try it. Just microdose, just little by little. You build it up, and then you know, but next thing you know, it's, it's second nature to you. I tell you what, when I retire, it's going to be like hundred percent in the retirement home. Video games and hard drugs, like everything I never <laughs> did. Why not? What's the first one? <laughs> How is it different from home? <laughs> How is it different than quarantine? What's number one on your wish list? It's always the one. Everyone has a drug they're scared of. For me, it was always LSD. I, I never wanted to put myself at the mercy of my own imagination, essentially. Do you, that just so would like you a say bad that idea. LSD would be the drug you're most scared of trying? Definitely. That's what I'm saying. I think everyone has a drug that's like, there's no way they would ever do that particular drug. And for me, it's, it's LSD. How about you, Gavin, then Gus? I don't know enough about the drugs. I don't know what they will do. <laughs> the Ugh, drugs. You, you watch TV. It's, a, <laughs> it's heroin. There's no question about it. It guesses right. Ding, ding, ding. It's definitely heroin. I feel like I've had heroin, though. <laughs> Go on. Just if I'm looking back across my life, it seems like... I mean, I've had, I've had like, a tooth pulled, right? And then they give you... The, you the, the, den- the dentist prescribed it? Yeah. I got a, I, I, I got a colonoscopy. Uh, I finally convinced my doctor to put something up my butt. I, I, Jeff, I want to talk to you because they were not going to do it. They were, I had to pay out of pocket for it and everything because I wasn't 50 years old yet. And they, they really don't want you to do it till you're 55. Yeah, that's changed. When I was in my 30s, because I had a colonoscopy when I was like, I want to say 36, right? Because of the diverticulitis. Uh, they were like, you're going to have one at 40, and then 45, and then 50, and then every five years for the rest of your life. And then I go back to get them, and they're like, nah, you don't need one at 40. Come back at 45. And so I, I haven't had one in nine years. I'm supposed to have one this summer. Not sure how that's going to shake out. But uh, but yeah, I guess the rules are changing because I remember it was like it was all get one at 40. And then I swear people were saying 45. And now my doctor said 50, 50 or 55. Is there like other ways that they're checking? Like, is there something else supplementing it that's replaced that or what? That's a great question. I think they just have probably enough data to realize, like, unless you've got some reason to get it. Like, I think diverticulitis is one of the conditions that would necessitate it. Or And, least- and according, according to them, it's not like even with my diverticulitis, it's not that big a deal. Because I tried at 40 and he told me no. And I was just, I went in because I have a history of it in my family. And I was just, I always heard what Jeff heard, which is like, you're supposed to start getting them by the time you're 40. So yeah. can you have just lied your way into it? Just say you got a butt plug stuck <laughs> or something and then have them check up there. <laughs> they don't schedule a procedure for a month out and make you spend three days <laughs> doing prep to pull a fucking butt plug out of your asshole, dude. That's an emergency room visit. <laughs> 
I I think it's always a bad idea to lie about medical stuff too. This that's the one person you never want to lie to. Like he's gonna be like going back to the drug conversation. Tell the doctor what drugs you took. If they're they're not asking you to get you in trouble if you end up in the emergency room and you did take something. Tell the fucking doctor because they're not asking you so they can rat you out to the cops. That's not so. You're saying you got the butt plug out on my own. (laughs) On my own, I got the butt plug out. Yeah, did they find anything up there? How did, how did it go? <laughs> it's, it's, they didn't find anything. So I got a clean bill of health, which, Gus, as you know, is one of the worst things mm-hmm. a doctor can tell you because then it just reaffirms all your fucking bad choices. And yeah, now you're talking about doing drugs. Yeah, well, that was the thing is that I went in and I, I've, never been, uh, I've never been knocked out in my life. I've never been. I have like periods where I've blacked out, either don't remember stuff from alcohol or there was one time I got punched where I, I don't remember stuff. But as far as I know, I've never like lost consciousness and passed out, including being like wisdom teeth or knocked out medically. So they could have done that for this. And I said, no, just give me the, you know, like twilight or whatever they call it. And that was such a strange experience because I never had that before either where it's like I don't recall ever not being lucid at any point in time. But there's literally 40 minutes that seems like it's a minute long to me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like I didn't gather any information or make any memories or or something. This really weird gap. But I don't feel like a gap. Like I don't feel like I was asleep or anything like that. Did you order a barbecue chicken pizza? <laughs> no, I did not. I didn't. And I didn't record any dumb internet videos either <laughs> with me uh, just yammering away or anything like that. No offense, Gavin. I know you recorded one of those videos yourself. You know, it's funny because I had morphine in high school when I had my jaw surgery, and I think I spent probably from 17 until 30 trying to figure out how to hurt myself again in a way to get morphine. Like I attribute a lot of my dumb shenanigans to just wanting to hurt myself in a way that I could get like a month supply of morphine again because it was so. Don't awesome. they just don't they just pass that out to everyone in the army? Didn't you get that while you were there? You said war. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the little like stabby morphine pen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay in a secret. In the army, they prescribe ibuprofen, 800 milligram ibuprofen for everything. I got the flu, 1,600 milligrams of ibuprofen. Broke your leg, 1,600 milligrams of ibuprofen. Well, well, got a well, dildo stuck up your ass, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. But you were also like huffing gas. Was that after you couldn't get hold of any morphine? That was younger, wasn't it? <laughs> I was about the same age, yeah. I was just chasing, I was chasing that high. <laughs> Dude, I huffed gas out of extreme boredom. <laughs> have you uh, have you retained the skills you had from the job, Jeff? Can you work on like two cycle engines and things like that, like small engines? <laughs> I can empty gas out of a lawnmower like a pro. Still to this day. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like riding a bike with your hands tied behind your back. Yeah, <laughs> with only my nose available. Uh, I I think I've probably I think those skills have probably atrophied in my old age. Gav was uh, Gav was bitching on Twitter. The other day about leaf blowers that he hates leaf blowers. Well, the I worst guess. thing ever invented. Why? Because they are they waking you up in the morning. They wake you up. They're loud, pollute, and they just blow leaves around. So I, I looked it up because I had read a story about this on Reddit. After you posted that, I was going to link it to you, and then <laughs> I realized Gavin doesn't want anyone to respond to him on Twitter ever for any reason. So <laughs> I didn't even send it. I just I just read up on it. And it was uh, it was it, it goes back to something Gus, you and I have always talked about with. Climate change. And by the way, I've heard you're a vegan now, Gus, and I, I gotta, I, I gotta talk about that. I, I don't know where the fuck that came from. Uh, but it came from the earth. We, it's like <laughs> veganism, or <laughs> veganism, or when people talk about stuff they want to do environmentally, like, oh, I'm doing X, like I have an electric car or whatever, and people immediately attack you 
for doing whatever you're doing because they're not going to do it. And it's like, no one's asking you to do it. All I'm saying is that I'm doing this. And there was some yeah. guy on Reddit who posted about, um, he informed the people in his town, in, I think it was Canada, that leaf blowers pollute as much as a pickup truck, uh, that they throw out an incredible amount of uh, carbon, uh, carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide uh, into the environment uh, from running just because they're a two-cycle engine. They're just spitting oil essentially out with their exhaust and burning oil. And uh, he just he just made people aware of that. And he's had to deal with like getting constant death threats because <laughs> people would rather threaten his life than evaluate their own need to use a leaf blower to rake leaves. Do you think these are people who just bought one? <laughs> If I remember the exact stat, I think running one for 30 minutes puts out as much emissions as driving a pickup truck from Texas to Alaska. I think that's I think that was said in that in that post. You might have read the same post that I did. Probably. I yeah, but what what fucking pickup believe truck? Uh, a 1913 Model T. What if I stick wheels to a leaf blower and ride that <laughs> to a different city? You get to Alaska in 30 minutes. I mean, there's a big difference between a 19 What was that truck you had? A 68? It was a 64. 64 Chevy, Chevy and a uh, like a 2020 F-150. They're very, very different on the emissions, <laughs> I would assume. This is at BC Man. This is, I'll put it in the link dump. Prince George Matters. Uh, who knows if this is a good uh, website. Environmental enthusiast uh, that informed uh, Vancouver City Council to reconsider introducing a bylaw to ban the use of gas-powered leaf blowers throughout the city. And he received death threats. <laughs> I mean, why would you? I mean, how how dedicated are you to your leaf blower that you, you want to threaten somebody's life? It's unfucking believable. So, guys, have you got any death threats for being a vegan? The 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 one I got, kind of similar to what you're talking about, is at earlier this year I posted on Twitter a breakdown of the amount of electricity I used to charge my car for all of 2019. I believe it's your pinned tweet. It is my pinned tweet, and I got so many comments coming after me, telling me how much worse electric cars are. For the environment than uh, gasoline powered cars. And all I could say is, I'm not saying that it's better. I'm just trying to answer. People always ask, how much does it cost to charge? All I'm trying to tell you is how much it costs me to charge. Just data. Right. It's just, it's just data. You're the one who's interpreting it and twisting it to be this other narrative or to try to make some kind of other point with it. I'm just trying to tell you how much does it cost to go. That's so it. So, what do we, what do we need? Do we need hydrogen cars? Is that the future? No, <laughs> no. What do we need, Gus? We just need to clean up uh, infrastructure and power plants. So it's like if everyone switched to an electric car, that would be preferable. Obviously, power plants are still dirty. You need to decommission old coal plants and uh, find more cleaner ways to generate electricity, which unfortunately might include nuclear, which is probably something people don't want to deal with. Hmm. All right, there you go. I killed it. Thanks, <laughs> big, thanks uh, for listening, everybody. Big, big milestone for Germany. They did something like 30% of their electricity was from solar. Uh, on one of these days. I, I love those milestones. We seem like we hit them every now and then. Like some country is at 80% of their total energy is made by renewables. Yeah, I think England's had a few days last year where there was no finite resources burned. On the, uh, on the other hand, uh, I read this morning in the New York Times that the EPA is weakening controls on uh, mercury emissions for uh, coal-fired power plants in the United States. Didn't they suspend all the EPA stuff because of corona? Like, they've done that in the UK as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They, they suspended environmental protections just for no justifiable reason, really. Just like, oh, we're just suspending all these because of the coronavirus. I saw uh, an interesting infographic, I think it was last week, that broke down the air quality index over Los Angeles uh, between 1995 and current day just to show how 
the impact of less people driving and uh, like everything kind of shutting down because the coronavirus has kind of cleaned up the air there. But the most interesting part of that graph to me was to look at how much dirtier the air was in 1995. Like right. way, way worse. And it's, you know, you think of that as being, a, and it's still a super dirty uh, city, very polluted uh, air quality wise, but it's crazy how much worse it was 25 years ago. And to see that, you know, but tightening emission standards really does help and actually did do something there. But fuck it. Whatever. Well, they've they've been loosened now, right? Didn't the well, yeah. administration do that last year? And they're not going to sue California to make them because California said we're going to stick to we're going to adhere to our own emission standards. I think that's still ongoing. And isn't that <laughs> yeah, and a, a big part of the conversation now, Jeff, is is that I think it's from the outside looking in, especially America seems like one gigantic unit, but it really is the United States of America. And when we hear about things within the U.S. of like something that's going on in Michigan, like people flying Confederate flags in Michigan for some reason, or blocking now having a protest where they block the hospitals to protest the quarantine. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like when I hear that, I don't feel that strong of an association with those people living in Texas. I don't feel as much responsibility as I think most people outside of the U.S. looking in would just see us all as Americans. Like I, I feel like there's a greater de de degree of discrepancy for us to see like wh what state is what. Like California is a very, very different state than Florida, for instance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think the rest of the world understands <laughs> how how uh, like ununited we are <laughs> in the states, I guess. Like the reason I don't live in Alabama is because it's a steaming pile of shit full of <laughs> shitty, racist, <laughs> gross people. Uh, we're still American. There's still Americans down there, uh, including all my family who I love dearly. Uh, shout out. Love you, mom. Uh, but everybody around them is terrible. And it's a, it's like huge discrepancies in things like literacy in, I mean, not infant mortality, but enough to be important. You know, there's, there's huge differences in States. Oh, it's ridiculous. When I, I you know, I moved around a lot. I think I've told this story a few times, maybe. Uh, but what is this podcast for, for not retelling stories from the last decade? Um, <laughs> when I was in like the sixth grade in Louisiana, which was like 30th in the nation in school systems, and then I had to move back to Alabama, my eighth grade history book was my sixth grade history book in Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. Because Alabama at the time was 47th in the nation. I believe they might even be 48th now. But uh, and I, I remember even at 14 or 13 going like, this does not seem right. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And even even within Texas, I mean, Austin is so different than everywhere else. We dodged a huge bullet. I don't even know if we dodged a bullet. Somebody made a huge gut check, tough call of canceling South by Southwest in the middle of March, which is the biggest economic event in Austin, Texas, bar none. Like $150 million a year it brings in or something, something to like local that, economy? Yeah. Yeah. For local economy, it's got to be higher than $150 million, I would assume. But it's bigger. We have an F1 track here and everything. Nothing compares to South by Southwest. They canceled the festival, the film festival, the uh, interactive festival, which is basically the tech festival, and the music festival, which is dwarfs everything. And uh, we they did that when we had zero cases in the city of Austin, essentially Travis County in, mm -hmm. in Texas. And... I think that's what woke, I think, a lot of people up in the nation was the fact that South by Southwest had been canceled. It became one of the first talking points uh, for action in the U.S. And 
yeah, if we if we hadn't done that, if they or the city hadn't done that, I really think we'd be one of the big hotspots in the nation. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. And for people who aren't super familiar with South by, it's a two week festival, music interactive and uh, film, like Bernie said. But about two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand people come into the town in the span of about twelve days. So I just looked it up just to to, to back up what you were saying, and the twenty nineteen economic impact was uh, about three hundred and fifty six million dollars. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, Christ, almost half a billion dollars are creeping up that way. To, and to put it in perspective too. Uh, I think a lot of people who know about us know about 6th Street, which is kind of like our Bourbon Street. It's just a row of bars that extends for like a mile and a half. And uh, the day after they canceled South by Southwest, they started boarding up the bars on 6th yeah. Street. And have you, have you guys seen that? If you go down 6th oh, Street, yeah. everything yeah, is nuts. just boarded up. As a matter of fact, not only uh, when they started boarding it up, they also mentioned that they wouldn't be uh, shutting because they shut down 6th Street every night, every like Friday, Saturday and Sunday um, from like 8 p.m. until 3 a.m. or whatever. Uh, and they, the other night when they did that, they announced, I guess it was about a month ago now, right, Gus? They yeah. announced that it wouldn't be shut down for the first time in like 22 years. I so think the I last immediately time it was drove down it. Yeah, 99. I immediately drove down it just to see what it was like to drive down 6th Street on a Friday night. It was crazy. It was surreal. It looked like it looked like a city boarding up for a hurricane. Were, right. were there any people out and about? No, not that night. But I will say recently, uh, about three, maybe two, three weeks ago, because uh, <clears throat> while we're social distancing and we have a, a shelter in place order uh, or our version of it, we're still allowed to go out and go for walks and go for bike rides to get exercise. And I don't live too terribly far from downtown. So I rode my bike or, or Emily and I rode our bikes down at like 11 a.m. on a Saturday just to see what downtown was like downtown uh, is crazy because it's empty except for the homeless people that were already there but now there's no normal people around either and it's like <laughs> go, ahead, it's go, ahead. go ahead just a choice of it's, normal people there's did no, I say normal sorry there's homeless people but there's no humans no homeless <laughs> people are humans uh, as, far, as far as I know uh, I can feel myself getting in trouble here but I'm gonna say like there are a lot of aggressive... Ho I lived downtown for two years. There's a lot of aggressive, uh, like mentally unstable homeless people because we don't do a good job of taking care of them here in the city. And uh, a city, a downtown that's just those people is the scariest place on earth. I got the fuck out of downtown very quickly. Yeah, and can you imagine what a horror story it would be to be homeless uh, in the, in with this disease going around, it's like what what can you possibly do? You already don't have access to care. There, there's, there's you you don't have access to cl to cleanliness. Like what do you? Yeah, how do you? And, and how the, do you? The, the national message is stay at home, and you're like, oh. yeah, stay away from other people and wash your hands wash obsessively four hundred yeah. times a day. How do you do that if you're living on the streets? And yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. That being said, I, I was making fun of you for saying normal people. I'd be, obviously, normal can also mean just within the bounds of a certain statistical range, you know. Yeah. That, and homeless people definitely fall outside of that. And then there's the realistic nature that a lot of homeless people are mentally ill. Like, there's, I keep reading in all of these cities, one of the big initiatives they're taking is to take hotels, which are shut down, and they're turning into, into rooms where they give them to homeless people. And it's like, I, I can't everyone see how that's going to go really, really terribly wrong for those hotels. There was a hotel in South Austin, I want to say like off of 35 in Old Torf that burned down. Was it like 10 years ago because of something similar? Do you mm -hmm. remember that? Uh, there, someone started a, a fire in one of the rooms and the whole, whole hotel went up. Jesus. There's going to be a lot of choices made that won't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. The choices Absolutely. are going to be made inside of those hotel rooms. I, I'm looking right now. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm watching while we're doing this. I'm watching. There's a... Uh, Group of protesters downtown Austin right now, outside the governor's <laughs> mansion, rallying to uh, reopen the state. Oh, please don't 
Oh, you poor. It's a five-hour-long rally today, from noon to five p.m. <laughs> well, I think that's I think that's a territory that we're in now, though, too, because with the lockdown measures, if and when they start to work, and you start to see that flattening of the curve, you start to see new cases dropping off, you see the death rate start to flatten, and you know that horrible exponential rise of dying people doesn't happen then no one's or very few people are going to be saying oh we took the right steps so many people are going to be saying like that was overblown right and we shouldn't have done right. it i'm actually i'm actually curious how the administration is now going to pivot from saying it wasn't a big deal to now it is a big deal and they've been saying it was all along to if we do end up somewhere below a flu in terms of death rates how are they going to pivot back to saying that we told, we told you, so. you all along yeah exactly we told you all along right because you know that's coming. It's a real shame that we're so politically and uh, divided in the country because I've been thinking about this a lot. There's no way there's no way to have gotten this right in our political climate. No, well there's no there's no way to get it right. It's just you, at all. I mean, it's like the disease comes out of nowhere and it's like even in the midst of it spreading, people in the US of course want to fight with each other make it somehow political. I'm dealing with that on a personal level because yeah. you know, I got kids that go back and forth and my ex-wife and I differ very we're very different on the political spectrum, let's put it that way. But also in this case, it's like neither one of us is like super on the fringe of being lunatics. But I definitely like lean more towards the preparation uh, pandemic is coming. This is a real deal side. And she's like seeing the economic impacts, which admittedly are the the economic impacts are greater than the death toll in the U.S. Yeah. So far. What is it, 22 million unemployed? Is that the new number that just came out? Austin is 25% unemployment. That is Great Depression levels, man. Yeah. God. And the scary thing to me about it is um, we're seeing a lot of things that we'll study, I think, for a long time as a result of COVID. One we already mentioned, which is you could never convince cities all over the world to shut down to test the environmental impacts of no one commuting and everyone working from home. But it is a huge byproduct of all the measures we're taking to prevent the spread of the, the disease. So now we're going to have all this climate data, I think, that we can use to affect change in other ways. So that's a that's a silver lining thing. But yeah, this blip will show up on so many graphs that are nothing to do with coronavirus. Yeah. And it's also going to be hard to get people to go back to work in an office if they don't have to. You, you know, I think people miss traffic right now. But once you're in it two or three more times, you're like, why did they come back to this? <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I'm gonna I wonder if maybe maybe people don't. Like maybe we uh maybe this fundamentally changes the way we work. I mean Rooster Teeth as a you know, about a three hundred and fifty to four hundred person company has been able to make a transition to working from home, I think fairly successfully. It's been a lot of work and a lot of heavy lifting, uh, from a lot of really uh hardworking, talented people, but it can be done, you know, and it makes me wonder do we all need to go crowd around in offices together five days a week? Or maybe maybe we, we start to work from home more often or with certain positions. I don't know. I mean, eventually the work ethic has to decrease, right? As people yes. get more complacent and lazy. I, I feel like an office will still be important for coming up with new shit. I was, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about my desk earlier. Uh, I was when I was looking out the window, I was, look, I was looking at my backyard and I was uh, you know looking at outside and I was wondering... What does my desk look like right now? Like, well, <laughs> you know, it's been weeks since I've seen it. Like, what, what did I leave on it? What's there? You know, just like wistfully remembering my time sitting at my desk uh, in my office instead of my makeshift work area here at home. Yeah, we uh, we get a lot of packages sent from people, you know, and I was thinking the other day, I, I hope I didn't leave any packages in my office that were full of fucking perishable food somebody sent me. 
unseal that tomb six weeks later and fucking it'd be like the day we got that that somebody mailed us that lampus bread in that box they created that molded <laughs> and we had we could we had to fumigate the office your office is going to be taken over by mold and ants so uh, yeah. have fun with that well, well gosh you, you made fun of, me, than a hunter. fun of me for my lampus bread that i had my marine rations but <laughs> those are a special place in my house right now sitting on the shelf it's been surprisingly easier than I expected to be eating a plant-based diet with all of this stuff going on. I went through about a week where it was difficult to find the brand of tofu I prefer. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, it's been it's been really not bad, which is shocking to me. Okay, th- three big changes from COVID. One is the pollution. Second is the economy. Third is Gus has a preferred <laughs> brand of tofu, apparently. <laughs> the world has completely changed on me entirely. But I do think I do think another thing we're about to learn from all of this, and it's going to be a very hard lesson, is that there is an incredible momentum to capitalism. And while this was a huge effort to stop that momentum and wind it down, it's not going to be as easy to wind it back up again. Like Jeff, even what you just said about we could, hey, we're all working from home. We don't need these places. We don't need these offices. You know, not to I reminder, I am not in management at Rooster Teeth anymore and haven't been for a long time. There's a number of people that work just with us whose jobs it is to maintain those spaces and to make sure that the it's people true. who do other things can be there. So it's I mean, I can think of like five or six people that if that change happens on a global scale, I can think of people that's going to impact in my immediate life. You know, so it's it, it, these big changes, you know, sometimes they're, you know, it, there's a silver lining to them coming a little bit quicker, but then also it's going to affect some people in the immediate short term. It, it makes yeah. me wonder if, if when, when this country was coming up and if there was this infrastructure here already, like internet, I wonder how many buildings wouldn't have been built, like office buildings. Yeah, that's your thing too, right? Like what's going to happen to real estate, commercial real estate? I was also thinking like what happens if your company is deemed you know, necessary to keep operating, but every other company in your building isn't. Are you just, is the the giant building owner just paying for your business to be in there? Do they turn off all the other offices and shit? Like, how does that work? Well, I think we're reaching a period where we're going to start to see those kinds of things, Gav, because, um, I mean, like I've done on my own small economic level, on a micro level, like uh, uh, new babies, babysitter, uh, I, we have a guy that works on our lawn. I've just been paying them. Even though they can't come, I just continue to pay them. And I think that like on a macro level, we're seeing that with like rents and leases. Um, but that's only going to last so long. I mean, it's, it's sure some businesses are continuing to pay their rent if they can. Uh, but as they don't have any revenue, they're just not going to be able to do that. And likewise, you know, people who own real estate and lease it out to people are, are going to run out of runway as well, you know? And it's going to take the government, like, especially in Austin, reducing property tax and things like that in order to make sure that that's stable. Well, don't worry. I mean, the federal government sent most people $1,200 and, you know, you can live for 10 months off of that. Yeah, I know, right? 1200 bucks, man. What was interesting was that people who make $95,000 get 200 bucks. Is that it? 200 bucks? I thought it was nothing. I think above 99 is nothing, but 95... Yeah, there's a scale. It's uh, like, what, what's someone who makes $95,000 going to do with 200 bucks? Just give it all to... Like, give that shit down to the people who make way less make than Make $94,000, yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like an arbitrary amount of money. Yeah, like, why did they sit down and come up with those, those, those tiers? That's weird. Can I just say real fast... <laughs> 
before I get in, before we go too far down this podcast, I don't hate homeless people or people from Alabama. <laughs> I, I really don't. <laughs> and I don't think homeless people aren't normal. But you uh, are pro heroin. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. They're not gonna, they're not going to get podcasts in Alabama for another ten years. You're fine. <laughs> that's a good. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for reminding me. I get the feeling like most congressional bills, like when they determine these things, a lot of them are almost like when they decide what's canonical for the Bible and what to include and what not to include, there's stuff that gets so specific. You real, It makes me think it has to be about one guy. Like when they were including this one verse in the Bible, it has to be about one specific person in their town and it just ended up stuck in the Bible. However, <laughs> I always think back, there's a Deuteronomy verse. It's I looked it up here. It's Deuteronomy 23.1 and it says, no one whose testicles are crushed shall enter the assembly of the Lord. And it's like, what is that rule? Like, if you have crushed testicles, you can't go to church. So that was included because there was one guy in town who had busted balls, and they knew they could pick him out for this one thing, right? That's what that had to be. It's funny you say that, because I always think about the, there's that one verse uh, about, like, uh, don't spill your seed on the ground or God will kill you. It's like, there was a dude who was jacking off on the ground, and they were just trying to get him to stop. It's the exact. It'd be like <laughs> it would be like if you read the Bible and it's like, and and Mark said to Paul, uh, "Do not masturbate with the right hand, or it will grow hair." <laughs> it's like this is shit your mom told you when you're furiously beating off as an eight year old that somebody thought, "Yeah, we'll throw that in the Bible." <laughs> the eleventh commandment was, and chicks named Sheila are real cunts. <laughs> If you hold your face that long, you it will stick. But how many times do you have to spill your seed on the ground before it's committed to writing? Like, it wouldn't That's be written mouth. up the first time. Go, I tell you what, go jack off outside in front of a cop and see how long it gets committed, how long until it's committed to writing. Just don't do it in downtown Austin right now because it'll be normal behavior. You'll be okay. Yeah, well, nobody will notice. Well, that's that's the other thing we're dealing with, too, in Austin is... We're dealing with the fact that we do have uh, shelter in place and, you know, stay home, stay safe. Um, but they've openly said they're not going to enforce it. So it's really just up to everybody to honor this. And I live uh, really close in Austin. I'm not going to say where, but I live next to a park uh, that gets a lot of traffic. And I can tell you the traffic in that park has not died down at all. There's like... It's, it's really frustrating for me because it's been hard to navigate with having kids and my, my poor JD, the last half of his senior year has just evaporated. You know, rug got pulled out from under him. No graduation, no prom. He, he pointed out the other day he didn't get to say goodbye to any of his friends because they didn't know they weren't coming oh, back from God. spring break. Yeah. It's like high school is, he doesn't have that closure for high school that the rest of us kind of take for granted whether or not we liked high school. But uh, yeah, there's 10, for, 10 to 15% of the population, it seems like, that is having a fucking ball, dude. Are you yelling at him? Are you screaming at him? Uh, I, I thought about flying my drone over there. <laughs> or, I thought about doing like, uh, I was telling Jeff I was going to do like World War II style uh, <laughs> propaganda on a loudspeaker. Like, you know, the capital is kaput. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, it's, it's it's the parking lot's filled with cars, and I just hear people screaming and have, like, you know that scream that kids do when they're in a group and they're running back and forth screaming yeah. at the top of their lungs? It's just kids playing together and just families out having a ball because the city's got no traffic and everything is empty, and how cool is this? You know, there's going to be people who actually miss Austin under lockdown when all the, quote, people come it, back. 
It's funny. I've been, every now and then, uh, like every couple of days, I'll get stir crazy. And, you know, rather than go for a walk or do anything, I'll get in my car and I'll just drive around. I'll be like, oh, I haven't driven to this part of town in a while. and Or th- like this, this place is normally really far. Like I drove out to the Oasis the other day because I was like, normally it's a pain in the ass, but there's no traffic these days. But I was driving down 35 the other day and it made me think about what uh, traffic was like back in the 90s in Austin. <laughs> back, you know, before the population doubled. And it's like, the streets kind of used to be like this. I Like, it just crept up for over so many years. I didn't realize it was like, this is what it used to be like driving around. We used to be able to go downtown on a, fr- not to be the old people, but we used to be able to go downtown on a Friday night, Gus, you and I, and park in front of the bar we went to. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to think of now. <laughs> now you don't go downtown because you don't want to deal with parking or you Uber because it's impossible. Or remember, like we used to go bowling all the time, that bowling alley that was up off of Runberg. We were living off of Riverside and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, we'll go. It'll take us like six minutes to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the other side of town. It's five minutes. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. Now I'd be like, oh, fuck, it's like a half hour away. I'm not going all the way over there. Speaking of what Bernie said about people being outside, though, it is weird that like I live in a big neighborhood, like a big, uh, like family neighborhood, I guess. A lot of, a lot of kids, a lot of like fucking swings in the front yard and shit. And, uh, I never see kids outside. Kids are inside on their, their, uh, their Wii's or their switches or their Xboxes or whatever, or their fucking iPhones. And, uh, something about telling kids you don't have to go to school and you have to stay home has made them all want to ride bikes and go outside and play street hockey. And it's like... It's insane. People, it's like parting the seas when I have to drive out of my neighborhood to go to the grocery store. It's like block party every block. I know exactly what you mean. It's it's uh, JD just turned. He also had his 18th birthday under lockdown. You know, so it Oof. was. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a whole thing. You know, and obviously there's bigger problems in the world than high school graduation and things like that. But it's just something in my personal life where it's like it just kind of sucks to watch him not have those things. You know, and totally. Yeah, it's like. J, all JD's friends, it seems like in the first weeks, especially, were like, "Hey, let's uh, let's all throw parties and let's all go do this stuff." The stuff that you know, I maybe I just didn't notice it, but it seemed like it ramped up significantly when the the orders came down to say, hey, "Maybe you should stay at home." Everyone was like, "Nah, maybe we shouldn't." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that American "fuck you" attitude that we have that's ingrained <laughs> in us, dude. That's that's only going to get stronger, right? We're yeah. starting to see people are just like. At first, there was some level of solidarity. I think the last time there was solidarity in this country was probably after 9-11. And mm-hmm. we, we had, I hadn't seen anything like that in my lifetime. Uh, you know, that amount of like everyone's going in the same direction. And it, it actually got a little scary at times. Uh, but this lasted probably two weeks, maybe three weeks of people like paying attention. Now everyone's just like back to politics as usual. I, I wonder if the people who are heeding to the stay at home and doing it all correctly... I wonder if that is driven by the end being in sight, though. Like, if there wasn't promises of a vaccine in 18 months or whatever, and if, if it was going to be like 20 years, I reckon it would be so different. You think that's still in sight? You think that I, like, I don't, yeah. being, doing this for 18 months is like, oh, yeah, no big deal? Uh, it's a lot better than 20 years. I mean, yeah, comparatively. It's also a lot better than dying, but I wouldn't say it's in sight. Yeah, I don't think it's in sight either. <laughs> Well, I think it'd be different if it was 20. Okay, point given. It'd be probably even more different if it was 100. Yeah. Well, sure. Or said, 200 or 1,000. What else would it be different? That like live events and conventions again. won't come back till fall of 2021 at this point. Yeah. Which, by the way, that doesn't... I'm not in management anymore. I don't know anything. People keep <laughs> writing to me about live events I, and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. I have, But it's, you know, it's... Who knows how long it'll last? The other thing that we're dealing with with um, JD as well is that he's, he's off to university next year and now if his first year at university is all going to be distance learning and teleconferencing 
he just might not want to go for the first year of college and just, you know, travel for a year if he can travel, you right. know, or anything. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. So, take a gap. Take a gap year. Uh, play some uh, video games. Yeah. Let me let me ask you guys a question. Uh, let's say we, as a country or as a society, we follow protocol uh, enough that everybody's like uh, a healthy person's fears are assuaged, and the, we 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 start to open up travel again. How long until you feel comfortable getting on a flight or an international flight? Like I was watching an episode of uh, Making the Cut. Uh, last night, which is uh, it's like the new Project Runway, and they went to Tokyo, and I was like, man, I want to fucking go to Tokyo. I love Tokyo. And then I was thinking, will I go to Tokyo again? Right. Like, when would I? When would I feel safe going anywhere? Once I get the vaccine. Once you get the vaccine, that's it. Well, yeah, I'm saying you yes. probably won't feel safe though. You you probably yeah. will go to Tokyo, but I do think fundamentally, at least for probably five or six years, uh, you're mental approach to that will be very very different i think and you know? and and this next time you go you won't think it's unusual that people are wearing masks you'll probably be wearing one too i also think that is going to be a major foundational change in society in general is that masks are going to become permanently prevalent and there people will not it will not be weird to see people in america wearing masks and you won't mm -hmm. make fun of them or think that they're you know like looney tunes right. or have some sort of a weird immune deficiency or whatever well and this is where i get a little bit off the rails and i'm probably gonna upset some people by saying this it also doesn't help that we have the cdc and the surgeon general in the u.s giving such wildly conflicting uh <sighs> advice on how to approach masks and the efficacy of masks it's uh I, it's something i've been very upset about through this whole process i was actually traveling uh internationally uh, in with my new baby, he, who was four months old at the time, I was traveling internationally uh, right around my birthday, which is January 18th. I was tra traveling on the 15th of January. And that was right at the time they locked down uh, Wuhan. It was a city of 10 million people. And I, as anyone who's listened to the podcast knows, I've always been like, had my eye on pandemics and looking at this kind of thing. We went over my whole preparation kit that I have uh, going back to the Ebola days when Ebola was in Dallas. And, uh, so I've, I've been watching this stuff very, very closely because I went through London Heathrow the day after they locked down Wuhan. And uh, I mean, we were, you know, had masks on at that point in time. And I get why the CDC, it's my own personal opinion here. I get why the CDC is saying the things that they are, because there's obviously a shortage of PPE equipment in the United States, masks included. But at what point does like a white lie and we all know the result they're trying to achieve of getting the masks in the hands of healthcare professionals where they will be the most effective. At what point is that detrimental uh, to tell people that masks are not effective? Because I don't know in what world breathing freely in a public space where people are infected is somehow on par with having any kind of covering over your mouth in any way whatsoever. You know, I get with kids because you put a mask on a little kid, they touch their face a lot more. That can reduce the efficacy of it. But even like in the early days, I was on the was the China flu subreddit back in January, which is now they, they did a weird thing on the subreddits where they switched subreddits. There was a China flu subreddit. Is was it called? It's called the China flu subreddit. Well, nobody nobody knew what nobody knew what it was. Right. They, right. Didn't, it, they didn't even know it was a coronavirus at the time. It was just some flu like disease. Remember the early days of even AIDS, Jeff, when they called it the gay flu? Because they didn't oh, yeah. know they didn't know what it was, yeah. and um, 
Yeah, so the subreddit, they actually went through a really interesting thing where once it was called the coronavirus and it started to become more in the public eye, the people who were on the China flu subreddit were actually there from the very beginning and were discussing all of this stuff and they switched subreddits. They made a one day they made a full switch, almost like Sweden switching sides of the roads that they drive on when they did that, where they said, do y'all hear music? No, no. Why would they say that? Hold on. I just started hearing music here. Yeah, Hold on. Oh, you know what it is? He goes crazy. Sorry. No, no, I'm going crazy. I had a I had a news tab open and it just, I guess, changed over to an ad or something uh, for a link I was looking at. But uh, they did it. They did a switch in one night where the China flu subreddit and the, the Corona virus subreddit, which started later once they knew it was a coronavirus, more people were going to that. But that was an unmoderated subreddit. So one day they just flopped and they said, okay, now if you want to have an unmoderated discussion about China flu and scream about China and say horrible things, uh, you know, uh, about bat soup or whatever, that's that subreddit China flu. And now we're moving over to the moderated discussion, which is just information about coronavirus. But one of the early changes, the moderators, and they were really great moderators in the early days on that official subreddit. Uh, was that they banned all discussion of masks because it just got to be fucking insane of people saying whether or not masks were effective. And I'm not saying that masks will stop the coronavirus. I don't feel that way. But how can you argue that they're less effective than not having them? You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. So that's when uh, China flu became available for the president to use after that. Yeah, China flu. Does that bother you, by the way? It doesn't. I mean, this might not be popular. That doesn't bother me that he calls it that. Uh, it, it bothers me. We have a name. He was using the preferred name and he switched almost intentionally to defer blame. It's like trying to uh, remind yeah. people that it's not his fault. That's It's the spirit behind it. Uh, yes, but also China is doing that as well. Uh, just because just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean that, you know, we should do it as well. Like right. No, I, yeah, I get what, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it... And, and, you know, when, when Trump does, it does seem to have a harder edge to it. But when a Chinese when official Trump does on it, Twitter, he's, he's signaling racism to people that are listening for that racism. It, uh, and, yeah. and, and also, like, I mean, the, I even that. the origin of the that. name, right? Like people will say, like, you know, what about like, look back at the Spanish flu. We called it that to try to make it seem like it was someone else's problem. It's like it's all about a perception. Right. You know, we had it. It started. It probably started here with a Spanish flu. And we call it Spanish flu just because of, um, in, of uh, information censorship at the time in World War One. Yeah. Right. It was actually one of the earliest like kind of media byproducts in the modern media environment where Spain was the only people reporting on the flu. Everyone else involved with the war was being hush hush about it. So the only reports in newspapers were uh, in Spain. So it was called the Spanish flu because that's where all the cases supposedly were. But let yeah. me see this. There's a There was a Chinese official who was on Twitter, which is a banned platform in China. It's a banned platform, supposedly, that no one in China can get onto Twitter, supposedly. And he was on there saying openly that uh, the paramilitary games were held in Wuhan in November and that the U.S. brought the coronavirus to China as part of the paramilitary games. And it was actually a mili- uh, uh, military personnel from the U.S. who were infected first in China. He was openly saying this and he's, he's actually backtracked on it, which is pretty rare, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, and Trump's not, I don't think Trump is saying the Chinese virus because he's trying to solve this problem long-term, but long-term we do have a huge fucking problem with the propaganda engine that exists in China. And this is, I think this, what we're dealing with the, with the Corona virus is, is a huge offshoot of that. It's not the main reason, but it's our response to it, I think, has been the downplaying of the virus when it was exclusively in China for a while. 
No, that's true. I'll, I'll agree with that. That's that's for sure. And before we were before we had to deal with the coronavirus, everybody was up in arms about censorship in film and the NBA and television in China. That was that was the last big controversy. This just eclipsed that. Yeah, and there's there's Western versions of that. Not that Japan is a Western country, but you know they're a little bit more democratic. You know, you see for capitalistic reason why people downplayed as well. I, I was like. Even back in January, I thought the big watershed moment for this virus was going to be if and when the Olympics were canceled or postponed. That was what was going to bring everyone's attention to it. That was actually one of the last things to happen. Japan like just stuck to their guns that they were holding those Olympics, man. Well, that might have been out of their control. That might have been IOC as well. I, mean, I won't put the blame entirely on them. Yeah, but who, Gus, who were these organizations? Who's the IOC? You know, who's FIFA? Who's the World Health Organization? It's like there's all this debate about these. If they had these organizations and they held so much power, why can they not effectively do anything either? Yeah. You know, the the, the World Health Organization, going back to the whole like calling it the China flu subreddit, it, the reason why it was called the China flu subreddit for so long was they wouldn't release information about the virus. They wouldn't identify it. They finally identified it as coronavirus. But then even after they identified it as a coronavirus, it took them weeks to name the thing COVID-19. And it's part of the reason why I think you still see people calling it Corona and not calling it COVID is because they had to go through this whole process of naming it that didn't tie it to a region, you know, and it didn't have any like specifications of origin and things like that. While at the same time, the last outbreak of essentially a SARS related epidemic was called the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. It was called MERS. Mm -hmm. So it's not a very consistent methodology they have for naming this, but apparently not calling it the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan virus was very, very important to the World Health Organization. Hmm. It's frustrating. It's uh, It's been frustrating watching that organization because I, even though on the podcast, I make a lot of jokes about NASA and stuff like that, I do... I consider myself to be a very scientific person. I hold science in very high regard. And it sucks when so many of these organizations that have such huge scientific impact or public health impact, they're essentially appointed willy-nilly, it seems like, by politicians. They're really just politicians who happen to have a background in medicine, which I, I think that's something that's got to fucking change. Right. Which is yeah. sometimes ten a tenuous background <laughs> at best. Right. Like this Navy dude, Jeff, how do you feel about this Navy guy, the Secretary of the Navy, getting on the fucking PA system on the Roosevelt and, uh, dude, and lambasting the captain? He got everything that he fucking deserved. And did you read the reputation for the, the, like the resume for this guy that he ended up in this incredibly powerful position? No. I want to say he was like a, a assistant helicopter pilot or something like that before this. I know he served. I, I didn't look into how deeply he served, but that was just a fucking dumb, boneheaded thing to do. And he had to know the second he started spouting his mouth off. And I don't think he did. I think, impro I think unfortunately, this is a, this is a, uh, this is a situation of uh, poor leadership filtering down uh, throughout the country where people see, uh, oh, I don't want to name anybody, but they see a leader uh, being uh, bombastic and uh, aggressive and blamey and firing from the hip. And you, you see leadership doing that and you think, oh, well, I guess I have a little bit of leeway to do that shit too. And nobody else does. Only one person seems to be able to get away with it. And that dude should have known the second he opened his mouth, he was going to be writing a resignation letter within a week. And I hope that that I hope that that admiral gets his job back. I read yesterday that they're they're thinking about reinstating him. I read that too. I read that too. Yeah. Also, I I feel like I'm having a lot of unpopular opinions today. I have to say though, um, 
the military is kind of an autonomous organization. They do have the autonomy to run their own organization with oversight. And yes. I have respect for that. Jeff, you were in it. I, as someone who's outside, I understand that there's a need for that. And that I do have an issue with the leader on one of the most precious resources in our military, which is an aircraft carrier, notifying the rest of the world that that aircraft carrier is essentially out of commission. There is a problem with doing that, you know? I don't know if, you know, getting him and yeah. taking him out because he was trying to save his own sailors is the right thing, but there's a problem with doing that. Yeah, I think that there's there, there's a lot of timelines there that aren't very clear, and I've read uh, wildly differing reports on how that information was disseminated and who actually disseminated it and why. Um, so I don't feel... I don't feel like I know the honest truth, but uh, from everything that I've read, it just seemed like an act of desperation to get the world to listen to the fact that he had a ship full of sick people and nobody was taking it seriously. And he was trying to get anybody to pay attention and help him get those people help. It did seem is the impression that I got. Yeah. And that he was at his wits end and was like, nobody's fucking listening to me. And I got a couple thousand soldiers here that I got. Or er, Sorry. Sorry. uh, Seamen here that I have to take care of. And uh, and uh, I'm at my wits end, you know? Like, he is ultimately responsible for the lives of those people on that ship. And, you know, he broke protocol uh, for sure, or somebody on that boat did. I don't know that it's super clear who did, but, I mean, it was done with, with the desire of protecting human lives. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you know, boats are a huge risk for infectious diseases regardless. Um, yeah. You know, J.D. went on a scuba trip last summer, and, uh, like, a couple of the kids got a staph infection. It's a, it's a huge concern on a closed environment like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the early days, if you look at some of the posts from, uh, you know, like data is beautiful on Reddit when they show the growth of the disease, there were cruise ships that in the early days had so many more cases than entire countries, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, and I'm sure the, uh, you know, Admiral was paying very close. Is the Admiral or captain? Captain of the, what was his official position? He's an admiral. I, believe. He's an admirable, am, admirable, I, I think he's an admirable. Admirable. I, admiral. I, I, I apologize to members of our uh, the United States Navy for not understanding the command structure exactly, but I believe to command a, an aircraft carrier like that, you're an admiral or a rear admiral. I'm not sure how the hierarchy there. Okay. Dude, I was also amazed when I was reading about this that, I mean, I knew aircraft carriers were massive. I also was curious, you know, when he was when all this controversy was going on, like how much of a risk that he put the United States, you know, uh, security at risk, you know, by telling the world that this aircraft carrier was out of commission. I didn't realize we have as many aircraft carriers as the rest of the world combined. I think we just have more, ver- we have more than the rest of the world combined. Don't we? It's actually just under, it's actually just under like Australia has two that put it over the top. But I think I want to say we have somewhere in the neighborhood of like 16 and there's 34 in the world. Um, so we have an oh, astronomical amount of aircraft carriers. And I also was looking at this, I, the Roosevelt in particular, they talked about how in response to uh, the outbreak, they went down to a skeleton crew on the aircraft carrier. And the skeleton crew was 300 sailors, which is just, that's insane. It's like 3000 yeah. people it takes to run an aircraft carrier. Uh, and I think most of the people were left there to to run the nuclear reactor. So we did uh, Haunter, that's our ghost hunting show, uh, for season two, we did an episode uh, where we investigated the USS Hornet, which is a decommissioned aircraft carrier up in, I think, Alameda, California is where it was. 
Um, and you talk about the size. I don't know how it's, it's, I remember them, I remember it being an Essex class aircraft carrier, but that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know if that means it's a big one or a little one, but I think because it's so old, it was on the smaller side. We were there for, I don't know, 10 or 12 hours. And, uh, I think we saw, Gav, you were there. Uh, yeah. I think we saw 25% of that ship, maybe. Oh, if if that. And, and I remember that room, like when you first walk in and you got all the helicopters and other vehicles just sat in the big open giant room. That's one of the biggest rooms I've ever been in in my life, like aside from convention center halls, and it, and it floats. I remember thinking that, because uh, I was looking for like a basketball hoop or something, and I remember thinking I could throw a basketball as hard as I could and it wouldn't hit the ceiling. Yeah, it, it, it makes it was when so you were talking tall. about the skeleton crew being 300 people, I wonder if one person could even pull that thing out of the dock like if you were just on your own in the boat how long would it take you to get the ship up and running and moving and if it even could be done by one person dude i watched bravo's below deck which is a shitty reality show about like luxury yachts (laughs) and i get that they have a crew of like 15 people and they can't get shit done (laughs) at all so (laughs) that thing's this that thing's the size of a really nice cadillac so no i don't think one person could do it (laughs) yeah i I just i just looked up for reference the uh the roosevelt right Right. And their their complement, the ship's company is thirty two hundred, and the air wing is twenty four eighty. Wow, wow, that is an enormous amount of people and a huge vessel. That Dude, is insane. Have y'all ever been to the? Uh, it's a bit of a uh, an aside, but have y'all ever been to the subreddit uh, Heavy Seas? Have you ever seen that? No, never no. heard of that one. I discovered it yesterday through a gif that somebody posted on Reddit of an oil tanker like bobbing in the ocean dealing with waves. I saw that gif. And that was crazy. And so I ended up in the comments and from the comments, I got linked into this heavy seas, which you should definitely check out. But there was one yesterday of a battleship, like somebody filming on a cruiser or on an aircraft carrier, a battleship hitting waves. And the first 35% 35% of that ship was totally underwater when it would hit a wave and then come back up and then go under again. It was the scariest, craziest thing I have ever seen. So if you were just out on the deck, you would just gone? You wouldn't be out on the deck. Not for very long. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah, no, you would be gone. It, it's like that thing was getting like maybe 30 feet underwater, it looked like, at the <laughs> point. And it just it was just shaking it off. Didn't give a fuck. The, the boat did not care, but it was like, it was fucking scary. And it's like you're, when you see it go underwater, your immediate concern is the boat's going to sink. But actually, the big danger, I think, is being a person inside of that massive, massive vehicle or, or ship, that vessel, and being thrown around. Like you can see some of the things when you're in heavy waves and cruise ships and like the entire dining room is moving left to right, like just there, sliding back and forth. Those videos. There was awesome. one of those videos on that subreddit last night. And I was, it's not funny, but it was funny because I was like, <laughs> turned those people into soup by the end of it. They were just like, it was just like a stew of chairs and tables and like arms and legs akimbo. And uh, it must have been the most terrifying thing in the world to watch or to be a part of, but watching it, you know, online, it's fucking hilarious. It's interesting when the walls and the ceiling and the floor are so rigid, everything else, like the people on the tables and shit, just become liquid in the, in the <laughs> yeah. big solid yeah. room. Ay, ay, ay. That's the same thing. Gab's always worried about that. You know, whenever we get in cars, Gab is way ahead of the curve of everyone has to buckle up, including the people in the back seat, um, you know, just because he had done so many. But PSAs, Gav, in, in the UK for traffic safety? Uh, it was some PSAs, but it was mainly just crash test filming. Just sitting there watching cars crash all day with dummies going flying everywhere. I was like, ugh. I can't believe that wasn't a law here for so long. I feel like that's a fairly recent thing where they're like, oh, yeah, the people in the back, too. But it seems right. like a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching all the 
I've talked about that before. They little accel- accelerometers and all the heads, and you'd watch like an infant-sized dummy just fly around the car and kill everyone. Doesn't take a lot. My mom was saying when I was a kid in the 70s, uh, when I was a baby, like 75, 76, 77 maybe, I, uh, she would make a nest on the passenger side floorboard of blankets and pillows and just lay me in there because there yeah. weren't car seats yet. Yeah. It's or funny you say that. Um, my, my, uh, I, would, I, tell, I would always tell my parents that I could remember a car we had when I was really young. I'm, uh, I, I don't remember how old I was. I must have been three or four by the time they sold it. It was a Fiat. And uh, they, they, they would always tell me, there's no way you remember that car. You were way too young. And I'd be like, no, I remember. And I could describe the air conditioner controls. Like, I know there were vertical switches that went this way and that. And, uh, you know, the red and the blue for the hot and the cold air were over here. And my mom asked me, like, how is it that you remember that? And I said, well, I know because one time I went flying at the dashboard when you slammed at the brakes and I hit my face on it. <laughs> so I remember, <laughs> remember very that. Clearly, I remember very clearly what it looked like. <laughs> Oh, there's some kids that are frightened by monsters in the dark, but you, you've got this seared in memory of an air conditioning control unit. How do I remember it? I've got high heat written backwards on my forehead, stamped into it for my entire, for 40 years of my life. <laughs> remember every time I look at the fucking mirror. You know what you don't see anymore that was kind of a thing for like late 80s, early 90s? Was automatic seatbelts that would like mm-hmm. go forward oh, on a little yeah. track. You remember those? And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They just—I haven't seen anything like that in years. Or even they were there were some cars where the seatbelts were attached to the door, so that when you opened mm-hmm. it, they would just they would just go out with the door, and then you could get out of the car. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone else remember that? Yeah, I think people just yeah. realized that it was just another part on the car that was going to break. There's no like actual upside to having that, other than it's like eventually in five years you're going to have to pay to replace the fucking motor that operates your seatbelt, and you're going to have to pay it because you can't not have a working seatbelt. Yeah. Or the other thing that would happen was uh, when you'd be in someone's car and you didn't realize it had them or you forgot, you would open the door and go to get out and the seatbelt would move forward and wrap around uh, your neck. Like, yeah. it would wrap around it from behind and <laughs> choke you out. But yeah, it just seemed like a bad design. But uh, I was looking up here, Volvo was the group that made the three-point harness, the classic seatbelt now. Um, and I, I remember the story that when they invented the seatbelt, they refused to patent it because they wanted to give it to the world for better... Uh, vehicle safety, but I th- I had a feeling that was more recent than it was. It was actually back in 1959. I don't think a Volvo was being that old of a company, but uh, yeah, I guess they've been around a while. Good for them. Yeah, it was August 13th, 1959. It's the year you were born. Hmm. The year I was born, yeah. <laughs> belts weren't even mandatory at that point, I don't think. Oh, no, Volvo's always been ahead of the curve on that on safety stuff, right? Yeah, no, seatbelts weren't mandatory until later in the 60s, right, Gus? Because both yeah. of our cars, I think, didn't have them, I and think, they weren't required to because they were built before the requirement. I think my truck had them installed by the factory, but they were an option. Like, whoever originally mm. bought that pickup had to pay for the seatbelt option, and that was in the 64. Upgrade. Right. So I'll get the crazy. Z-Bart coating and seatbelts, please. <laughs> That's interesting. So I, I went to go look up when was mandatory use of seatbelts mandated in Texas. Because I remember that in my lifetime when it became a, a finable offense that you weren't wearing your seatbelt. You used to be um, able to drink in the car. I remember that. I'm, that was when I first moved to Texas. That was mid-80s. Yeah, you could drink in the car. You couldn't be drunk, but you could drink. Yeah. Which is so- Gus, you and I worked worked with a dude at Telenetwork who drank in his car every day. And he wasn't an alcoholic or anything. He was a nice guy. <laughs> we were friends with him. I don't want to say his name. Day. But he was, he, I, I never got in the car with that dude. He didn't have a Lone Star in his hand. Yeah, I, re- I remember. 
one for the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't see when this law was, but I want to say it was as late as like 1990, Gus, Jeff. Do you remember was when they mandated the law? For no, seatbelts in Texas? Maybe it was more of an enforcement thing. I wasn't in Texas at that point, so. Do you think you would yeah. get pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt if you had a t-shirt with a picture of a seatbelt on it? <laughs> If, 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 yeah. <laughs> I listen. I know people who would go to great lengths to not wear their seatbelt. Americans are fucking yeah, stubborn, dude. You, you never wear your seatbelt. What do you mean? I wear my seatbelt. How dare well, you, <laughs> dude? The fastest way to make people wear seatbelts in America is to make them illegal. Well, yeah, right. And then you tell them, yeah, th- you're not allowed to wear it. People will wear seatbelts in the grocery store. <laughs> They'll just permanently affix them to them. Like, fuck you. You're not taking away my seatbelts. This is America. <laughs> Talking about that with this, with the COVID thing was when they were, I, and Gus, you caught some heat for uh, talking about Corona. I know in the early days when the information right. was still like, it was still in development. People were trying to figure out what the hell's going on. It's really easy to go back and look at a video like that with, you know, hindsight. Hindsight yeah. is 2020. Also, it's not really because the hindsight today is not going to be the hindsight we have in six months either. This is a rapidly evolving landscape. And, uh, but you and I were discussing this like, Late January. I went back and looked at our early. I think my first text to you was in January, January 20th. I it's think. funny. I, I just went, I just scrolled back and looked at it. Yep. It was January 20th. And uh, we were, I was talking to Gus about it. And it's, it's funny. I feel a little guilty about that because me not being on the podcast, I feel like you and I were having the debate back and forth about the seriousness of it. But me not being on the podcast is like you were giving that one half of the debate without, you know, me being there to do it. That's part of the problem with having conversations with your friends and then being on air with or without them is that, you know, you already kind of have these established conversations that are going on and then you're just kind of picking them up where they left off. So, so really what we're saying is Gavin, it's your fault. It's your fault. Okay. Gavin, for that makes sense. Not, <laughs> yeah, not saying it was a bigger deal. What do you, uh, Bernie, you asked this question in the first two minutes of the podcast, but we got sidetracked. What are you doing to pass the time at home? What are you watching? Or did you pick up any new hobbies? Are you one of those people that decided to learn how to juggle or do a skill? <laughs> drugs, Jeff. That's what I was getting at. It's oh, all just, right, right. Just the drugs. <laughs> it's okay. just drugs. Uh, you know, no, it's, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've been focusing mainly on writing. Um, I got a couple different writing projects I've been talking about with our new, uh, CEO, Jordan Levin, um, some of them are productions, but some of them are, uh, how do I put this? It's like, I'm in a, I'm in a phase right now where I've worked in collaborative groups for a really long time. And it's like, I feel like I want to just work on stuff by myself for a little while. Um, so I've been doing that and there's some stuff I'm writing, some fiction stuff. There's Jeff, there's a project you've always wanted me to work on that I'm finally doing. God, I fucking, I hope you do, man. And I, I love that story and that idea. It's probably my favorite thing in Favorite idea to come up in the history of the company. I don't want to oversell it here. But, uh, <laughs> you totally are. <laughs> but I would love to work. I would love to, A, watch it or read it or whatever. But I would also just love to be involved with it someday. It's a really cool idea. And it's one of those things I realized that I was punting a lot of stuff that I, um, ideas that I had uh, because they weren't ready to be turned into filmed productions, you know, or, you know. Or they just weren't ready. Sometimes yeah. an idea takes sometimes an idea takes five or six years to bake it, just in the back of your head or however long you know. But it's like I, I'm kind of enjoying the freedom of being able to write without having the burden of how does this end up on a screen somewhere you know. Um, so I'm just I'm taking that approach. And the other thing I'm working on there's a couple of them, but there's one that, there's a nonfiction thing writing thing that I'm working on that has probably been the thing that people have asked me most about for 
years and years and years. So I'm working on that now too. So um, some fiction stuff and some some nonfiction stuff. And then enjoying having a now seven-month-old baby. It's weird because I was all done with paternity leave and then all of a sudden um, we were moving into work from home phase. H- have so- you been uh, spilling more seed than usual? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, I found my preferred brand of tofu, Gavin, so I'm really excited these days. <laughs> Listen, you joke, but it was it was serious business for a week or two there. It was, it was real, Gus, t- it was real touching. Gus, we don't have any sponsors on this. What is your preferred brand of tofu? Do you uh, want to say or are you worried it's going to run out of stock? I, I I know what the pack. I think I think it's called Wildwood. It's Wild funny. Wood? I did, I, I did think. ask him on a podcast a while back, and he said he didn't want to say because he didn't want to uh, <laughs> create a run on the store. Let me ask you a question, Gus. And I know I asked this before, and I can't remember what uh, firm level of firmness do you like in your tofu? I was just uh, about to ask that because I'm on the Wildwood website right now. Either normally extra. I think extra is extra the, firm. the best. Yeah. What, what do you, what's I the, totally what's the measurement? I have no idea. It's like the it's, decibels conversation. It's like it's like how you test to see if a steak is done. Oh, like you can squeeze a piece of your hand, or maybe like yeah, you just think it's how far your your finger goes into the tofu when you push it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna look up if there's like an how actual there is. definition. If there's like an actual scientific measurement for that, I'll say there's a huge fucking there's a huge fucking difference in 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 the consistency and like when you eat tofu from oh yeah from absolutely like firm to soft. I feel like I don't know enough units. Like, what is the measurement <laughs> unit of, like, hardness? A mush. It's two mushes. That's what it is. <laughs> Gus is extra firm, so it's 0.3 mush. <laughs> it's how many, how many atmospheres of pressure you would have to apply in order to mush it. <laughs> in, a, in a vacuum. In a vacuum on Earth. <laughs> how many days a week do you eat tofu, Gus? Um, I don't know. Two, maybe? Two, yeah. two or three. Have you ever made it? Made it? No, I'm not a maniac. I'm not you, living in a shack in never the woods. F- fermented <laughs> your own edamame, Gus, or soy or whatever. <laughs> Have you? Do you eat other stuff like tempura or like those other uh, kind of tofu? Uh, yeah, you mean uh, tempeh and seitan? Yeah. Tempeh and seitan, yeah. Yeah, of course. I had seitan once years and years and years ago. It was one of the grossest things I ever ate. In my it's life. actually really good. There's a. Um, there's a. Um, a food truck near the studio that I used to eat at when, you know, we used to go to work uh, that does uh, seitan chicken sandwiches, like fake chicken. Uh, that's actually excellent. To be fair, I ate it when I was vegan in 1999 or 2000 or whenever the fuck. It's 2003, maybe, when yeah, I was Jeff vegan, was vegan. And moved to yeah. Puerto Rico. And uh, I ate, so that was like the dark ages of veganism. It was, oh, yeah. I can't imagine back doing it back then. I'm actually coming up yeah. this Sunday will be uh, six months that I've been doing it. Dude, I'm so I'm so happy for you, and I'm so proud of you. Like, congratulations! <laughs> Thanks. I, I I keep I keep having nightmares though. I had a nightmare the other night that uh, we were filming something at work, and there was like a camera crew following us around, and we were supposed to be eating food. And I started eating a bacon cheeseburger, and about halfway through it, I was like, "What am I doing?" And like, I woke up like in a cold sweat, thinking that I was Dude. eating a bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> I have those dreams at least twice a week about alcohol where like I'm at a party and somebody hands me a soda and then I start drinking it and I realize it tastes weird. And then I realize there's like whiskey in it or whatever. And I'm like, and then it's like, I wake up in a sweat. I'm like, oh fuck. I almost blew it. I almost ruined it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's weird how like even that, that, that stays in the back of your mind. Like you're, you're, it's not yeah. something that would possibly happen, but still like in your subconscious, you're still worried about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't I've like my 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 goal from the, I, I feel like I I need to clarify this. My goal from the beginning was never to do this for this long. My goal was to just reduce meat consumption. 
Uh, there is going to be a point. And then you've enjoyed it, right? You found out that it's, yeah. There is going to be a point at which I'm going to break the streak. It's going to happen inevitably. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't know when that's going to be right now. You will get so sick. I imagine when you do that, I can't, because you get, once you have meat, it's got to be a small amount. Otherwise, I'd imagine you just get so sick. I don't know. Here's man. how I would <laughs> like you to break your streak. I would like to come to you and tell you I'm moving away in two weeks and that I, I want, I want to eat at all my favorite restaurants in Austin before I go. And I want you to go with me and I don't want you to ruin it by being vegan. Well, it was different back then. That, now that's actually... how I got, that's how I got off the vegan train. Oh, and then how, why didn't you get back on? Was that my fault too? Because it's fucking bacon, dude. It was delicious <laughs> because I ate it. I ate a burger at Casino El Camino and it was, and that was it. How long were you vegan though, Jeff? Oh, a couple months, like three or four months. It wasn't long. Nothing, not 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 even as long as Gus at this point. You know the the sober is that's the longest I've ever seen you do anything. Like that's it's been incredible. How long have you been sober now? Oh, uh, what month is this? April. Yep. Uh, three years and like forty days, maybe. Wow, that's amazing. And you do it entirely on your own, right? Like you're not you're not going to AA in a, you don't in a program. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. Uh, that wouldn't work for me. I, I and, and that's not. I, I don't decry that. I mean, my uh, my cousin's husband has been in AA for like fifteen years, and and goes twice a week still, and it, it does wonderful things for him. Uh, and I've met a lot of people in the program, as they call it, uh, who it's radically changed their lives. And and more power to to those people uh, if that's the way you need to get sober. But it, I don't think that was the path for me. I needed to do it on my own. I had I had to. It had to be one of those. I mean, it's a, it's a long drawn out story, probably. Uh, but it, it was one of those things I just, I had, I had to kind of sink or swim on my own. I'm not good at accepting or asking for help from other people. Well, they have achievements. <laughs> and, true, they, they seriously, that's they a do. system. It's like collectibles. They, yeah. They, they, they understood that before anybody else did just about. Yeah. If they would name one of those achievements after me, I'd spend the next three years trying to get it. You're really good at streaks. I think about when you were fasting that one time and I was like, man, that's uh, when I think of long streaks, I think of, uh, I think of Jeff. <laughs> Right. Come talk to me in talk to me in uh, two and a half years when you've hit your three year mark on veganism, buddy. I, I guys, I gotta say, I'm proud of you too. It's like it's shocking to me, and I express that it's shocking to me, but I I think it's incredible. Uh, are you doing it for climate reasons? Is uh, you said you want to reduce your meat consumption? Is that for cruelty or is that for climate? No, no, no. Reasons? Um, so it it was really a, a stupid way that it came about, right? I watched this documentary uh, about it on Netflix. And after the documentary was done, I didn't particularly like the documentary. I didn't think it was well done, but I thought, oh, I'm going to try this just for the hell of it, just to see. And uh, it was easier than I thought. So I thought it, it, all, it all became about a streak. It was like, I did a day, I did a weekend, I did a week. And it's like, okay, well, let's just see how long it keeps going. And I think that's all it is at this point. It's like, I don't want to break the streak. Challenge to yourself. I get that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You should have quit on an important day. Like uh, like National Meat Eaters Day or something. I realized the other day. Well, I realized not this year, and I, I I don't know why it never crossed my mind. I quit drinking on St. Patrick's Day, not on purpose, really, not intentionally at all. But it just happened to have been St. Patrick's Day, and so now every year, uh, I'm like, all oh, right, yeah. Well, I, I stopped on October 19th, which is National New Friends Day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's perfect. So all the animals you're not eating are now your new friends. Right. It's either that or World Pediatric Bone and Joint Day. I'm going to go with that. Go with the friends. friends. Yeah, go with the friends. (laughs) Have you figured out how many animals are alive now because you don't eat meat? Oh, man, that's a good question. Millions, I'm sure. I I used to eat so much beef. (laughs) It would take you a long time to eat one cow, I think. I think you probably have got like one or two cows. But do you think if if Gus was doing it for the 
the animal cruelty and preservation of animals thing. Do you think you would eat double meat to counteract it? No, I, I mean, I, 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 the only reason I ask that is we've never really talked about the cruelty part of it. I do think that there's a, a point to be made there uh, where, you know, a lot of the racist stuff I see associated, we talked about Trump calling it the Chinese flu, which I don't think sp- stating the origin of something and keeping that on record as to what the origin of a disease um, I think that is important, but I do think the uh, byproducts of that, especially with some of the base that follows him, that turns it into actual, you know, harassment that happens or even attacks and assaults that happen. That's yeah, horrible. but he knows his base. That's the point. Yeah, it is. Tr- that it, is. He's true. virtue signaling. It's it's true. No, I I I, I get that, but it's you know it, it's part of the conversation where this whole started. Uh, some of the racist stuff that I've seen is the whole like bat soup discussion, which you know people want to say and like memeify everything and and talk about bat soup and like talk about the way that uh, the Chinese diet is. And it's like, you know, what, the stuff we have is not great either. So, we, and it's funny, anytime you point it out, it's like, they need to stop having wet markets. They need to stop eating wildlife like pangolins and bats. It's like, yeah, it's easy to say when you're eating a, you know, chicken nugget that's the combined flesh of like a thousand different birds raised in a cramped factory, you know? That's not exactly, yeah, that's not exactly the best cuisine either Let's take for this a step further. The, the one that bothers me is, you know, supposedly the finest fr- cuisine is French cuisine, which includes things like snails and fattened goose liver, <laughs> you know? Right. It's or like, yeah. geese. Right, that's, that's fancy, expensive, high-end food versus, you know, that's not, that doesn't sound any better. If you told, if you, if I dug up my, my garden and gave someone a snail, <laughs> anyone would turn their nose up at that. Right. My point is, it's just, it's really easy to point your finger at and look down your nose at other people's, what they consider to be food or what they eat. It's really easy to do that. But when you turn that lens on yourself, it's not that easy. Or just other cultures in general, like Gus, you, we just talking about France, you have eaten horse and you said horse sashimi was the best thing you'd ever eaten in your entire life. It was delicious. Super culturally inappropriate to do in America, but very common in France, very common in Japan, right? Mm -hmm, And other mm -hmm. markets. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I looked it up. Uh, I found a a website that calculates uh, how many animals are alive because I don't, I didn't eat them. It's 180. Get out of here. Well, I assume, it counts awesome. like, I assume it counts like chickens and stuff like that. No, yeah. If only we hadn't burned 500 million to death in Australia. <laughs> Jeez. You know, it's funny. I don't know if you guys had the same reaction that I did, but uh, one of the first times I went to Australia, uh, our host down there, Eric Cherry, uh, he took us out. And one of the things he took us out to do was to try kangaroo, to eat kangaroo. And I remember when he said that to me, I was like, can you eat kangaroos? Is that legal to do here? It just struck me as like, I, I thought for some reason that would be just not a protected species, but one of those culturally protected species. Like it's, I don't think it's illegal to eat dog in the US, right? You just would never do that. I think it might be. I think it is illegal to sell dog meat. What do you mean? So you just sell people dog bones and they grow their own dogs? Gavin, I mean, isn't what? every animal meat? If you sell an animal, you're selling the meat with it. It's whether or not you choose to eat it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go down to the shelter for dinner. I Googled it. Oh, yeah, I did too. Go ahead. <laughs> On December 20th, 2018, the Federal Dog and Cat Meat Trade Prohibition Act was signed into law as a part of the 2018 Farm Bill. It is now illegal to slaughter a dog or cat for food in the U.S. with the exceptions of certain Native American rituals. I don't know what those are. I just like the idea if you went to like a breeder to buy, you know, German short-haired pointer. And they go, we got to send you a separate invoice for the bones and a separate invoice for the meat because we can't, we can't sell them. <laughs> We gotta do it separately, because there's some law that says we're not allowed to sell animal meat. <laughs> so we're, all, we're technically only charging you for the bones and the hair. 
It's like how we were going to sell season one of Red versus Blue. We were giving away the DVD. Right. The sponsorship, right? We're, we're selling... not selling you a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally legal. That holds up in a court of law. It's a free gift. A free gift. Got so You're dumb. You're buying super sponsorship. So naive. And that goes back to that secretary of the Navy guy, is that he went down to chastise this admiral to his crew, who was exceptionally loyal to him. Who, had he not seen the video where the people were, the standing ovation where they were calling him like a god among men and saying that that was a real leader and like, why would he think that would fly there? I think that's why he went down there, dude. He went down there to because he they were mad that the sailors did that and made them look bad. So the, he, I think that was a huge motivation for it. And then he gets on there and says, in the modern era of information or whatever, it's paraphrasing, I'm getting it wrong, I'm sure, but he said uh, that he was stupid and naive to do that. It's like, well, you're stupid and naive to think that somebody's not recording this right fucking now. He's, you know? By the way, I just want to, want to clarify, he's a captain. Thank you. I forget, he is a captain. He okay. was a captain? Okay. Yes, Sorry. it up. Okay, so a captain of an aircraft carrier. That is, I can't imagine the amount of work and time and dedication it would take to get in a career path where you end up as the captain of a U.S. aircraft carrier. That's just... Probably takes most of a career to get right. there. I would... I, obviously, I was way off on the rankings there. I had no fucking class. I, I, unfortunately, I was in the Army, the, the real military, but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't get to go swimming for four years like some people. That's what they call uh, but, a deflection uh, <laughs> right there. Get them mad about no, something that's else. Just like, it's just like old school Army, Navy hate each other. It's dumb. Makes no sense. They're all laying their lives down for America. But uh, probably 18 to 20 years to get into a position like that, I would yeah, think. It's one of only 34 in the world. And that's, uh, that's after four years of military school uh, at the Naval Academy minimum. That's after the... I, I'm assuming there's something similar to... In the Army, we have like a master's program called the Army War College. So I'm assuming that there's something similar in the Navy that they have to go through that's probably two or three years as well. It's, a, it's the culmination of a couple decades worth of really hard work. He has been there, in sure. uh, 28 years. Can you imagine the responsibility of that? Of all those people, it's crazy. Can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. You know, and it, I mean, you, there's Jeff. There's a lot of people in the military. There's a lot of casualties and deaths that happen, not related to battlefield, just because you know you have them in a dangerous environment and just maintaining a lot of young people in that environment. You have a lot of deaths, right? It's a huge responsibility, even when there's not bullets flying through the air. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, terrible and heartbreaking. But like, even when I was in the army in in you know public affairs and journalism, I would go to this place called the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California. Uh, which was where, uh, when I was in the 1st Cavalry Division, that's where we would go to do our desert training to get ready for uh, to, to go to the Middle East, uh, which I also went to a few times. But um, every time I would go to the NTC, as they call it, uh, I would have to prep because I would know that two or three soldiers were going to die in training, and I would have to deal with that. And it was just like, it just it's, it sucks. It's not acceptable, you know? Yeah. But, uh, it, it, I don't want you to think that like because when I was in Kuwait one time <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this story but when I was in Kuwait one time I got in a little bit of trouble for taking some photos of the Kuwaiti military they had they were driving a I believe it was a paladin uh, or some kind of a howitzer it may not have been a paladin and uh, that that's the uh, a howitzer is like an artillery it's like an artillery tank if you don't know and it's got a very very long uh uh, barrel that sh which you can use it's super useful you can stand soldiers on it with a camera and raise it up and then you can film the first episode of Red vs. Blue that way uh, <laughs> but uh, I saw we were leaving a training exercise and the Kuwaiti military a bunch of them drove by and there were like each one had like five dudes hanging on it like the like uh, like the guy riding the bomb at the end of Doctor Strangelove uh -huh. just like hanging on at the edge like whooping and hollering yep. and my the 
colonel or whoever I was with turned to the liaison from the Kuwaiti military and said, you can't do that. That's uh, that's that's. That's uh that that you're gonna get training casualties. People could get hurt. And he goes, uh, ten percent training casualty is accepted. It's fine. And it's like other military, I guess they're just like, yeah, well, you know, ten percent of the people can die 10%. in training. It's cool. That's what he said. He may have been talking out of his Jesus. ass. And it was 1995, but that is what he said. And I was just like, I remember just laughing to myself, going like, Jesus Christ. Wow, that's that's crazy. God, it's just it's it's. And hearing you talk about this stuff, Jeff, it's like. It does feel like for a lot of people, the military and how the military operates feels like such a, it's like a foreign world, you know, that we're so detached from. But everything that's happened in the last few months with public health and the coronavirus, it's just like, you never know how fast the world is going to change. I read this, uh, read this story about, Gus, did you see this? You have your new uh Black Box Down podcast is out, I think, today as we're recording this, right? Search for it wherever you get podcasts. First episode's out now. Did you read this story about the Russian jet that flew within 25 feet of the U.S. spy plane? I did. Over the Mediterranean? That's fucking insane. It's like we have Russian jets, military jets, buzzing our military jets. China is testing nuclear devices, you know, right now. It's just... Fucking crazy, man. Just like a- but, I mean, it's it's not that crazy. I mean, they did that at the beginning of Top Gun, and that was in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. We're going to find out that it didn't really happen. It's all just a clever marketing ploy for the new Top Gun movie to keep it in the top of mind <laughs> when we can't release films in the summer. Man, it's so crazy. I sent this to Gus, too. It's just like, there's so much stuff that's going on in the world to be concerned about. It's amazing what people spend their time being concerned about like they look past all the obvious stuff that's a problem in the world and they try to find these like ridiculously obscure conspiracy theories like with the wait until there's a vaccine for covid and 25 percent of the population doesn't want to take it for not a legitimate science reason but just for some random shit i was looking at tom hanks's posts when he was um in australia and was tested positive for covid there there was a whole deep conspiracy about one of the pictures that he took with his wife that there was a barcode on the door on the corner of the door frame and there was this deep conspiracy about what that barcode meant and tom hanks was part of the deep state and he was in a bunker somewhere and he was you know gonna get covid and they were gonna show that he recovered from it so the government would would try to fool people into thinking you're gonna recover from this and he's actually doesn't have it and he's hiding in a bunker because it's going to kill everybody. And it's just like, holy cow. And that led into a whole thing when I was looking at his replies on Twitter. Anytime he posts anything, it's just a fucking litany of just crazy people talking about stuff that they see as like absolute truth. Do you know what adrenochrome is? Does anybody know oh, what that no. is? Oh, no. Oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. Dude, I, I fell down a rabbit hole with that stuff. I Gus, it's like... We have we have an actual pandemic ripping across the globe and people are like it's basically if I can summarize it Gavin it's essentially that 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 there's a new world order that operates through Hollywood where everyone is in a satanic pedophile ring to harvest adrenaline from tortured children to be immortal and that's not hyperbole <laughs> like monsters inc yeah it's uh it's 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 nuts. It's really and it's it's crazy stuff. And it's like and supposedly, it, it, what is it that there's video of Hillary Clinton torturing someone to extract uh, adrenaline? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the saddest part about that to me is how much 
legitimate wasted creativity people spend on that shit. Like that, we should have better TV and books and movies. If people are that creative and able to come up with that, like wildly <laughs> ludicrous uh, scenarios, why can't they focus that energy towards something entertaining? Right. In the right way. It's entertaining. It's just entertaining in the wrong way. It's damaging. Like what we should give. Whoever came up with that, just give him a just give him a fucking pilot with Fox. I think it's a group, Jeff. It's like it's like almost like a meme. You can't ever trace it back to one thing. Like you think like there'd yeah. be one post of like, oh, this is where this started. This is the person who drew the troll face or whatever. We've talked about this before. It's some of these things that just kind of get lost to the mass collective intellectual effort of making entertainment for ourselves. And I think yeah. I think this kind of thing falls into that. The other thing too is like this people are going after Bill Gates. Bill Gates is spending billions of dollars to trial seven different vaccines, knowing that six of them are going to be a waste of time. The majority of the money spent will be wasted. And he said that he knows that, but it'll make the candidate vaccine that we actually end up, could end up using, it'll make it that much faster. So it's worth burning all this money to have this wasted effort that he knows just to eliminate them as possibilities. So then the, the other one will be like four or five months faster. And there's a whole thing about like his liability of like Dr. Fauci, uh, they're skipping like animal trials and things like that, which we'll, we'll see. That'll be a whole thing we'll talk about when the vaccine comes out because people want to take it because they skipped animal trials, which is actually, I think, a legitimate scientific discussion. But once it gets into the hands of everyone else, we'll, we'll see what happens. But then in the meantime, there's a whole portion of the, of the online population that's saying that Bill Gates wants to make a vaccine to inject us with nanobots so that the 5G towers can activate them and he can control us. And it's yes. like, what? In what world does that even make sense that a guy who's got $70 billion wants to control some housewife in Kansas? <laughs> what, what control could he possibly have? A guy, who, yeah. by, a, guy, a guy who, by the way, was already, at the time that he retired, probably the most influential and important person in the world, in business at least, who has retired to, be, uh, to pursue philanthropic endeavors and to make the world a better place. Like, he gets up every day and says, how do I take the money I earned and try to make the world better through it? You know, it's, it's so insulting. If Bill Gates controlled every aspect of my life, how would that benefit Bill Gates? Like, what would he get out of that? <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, it's like if you live, if you're a dude who's like, you know, on, you know, welfare in a trailer park in the, in the middle of Oklahoma, if you're that guy and you're like screaming about control and freedom and all that stuff, it's like, why does Bill Gates... What does Bill Gates get by controlling you? You know, you it is this thing of. I was going to say, do you think it's like a self-importance? Like everyone thinks that they're so important to the world that obviously that someone right. would want to have control of that. Right. Maybe he wants more people to buy a Zune. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what, what, what is the control that he would gain that he doesn't already have by having 70 billion dollars? He's almost like that amount of money. He can literally do just about anything. Yeah, you know, what if, can't he do? By right. Amazon. <laughs> Also, asshole, he doesn't. He he already controls you. He's you've got Windows installed on your fucking desktop in your trailer in Oklahoma or wherever. He's already got access to everything. Right, the most ubiquitous operating system in the world. He's it's everywhere, right? And it's like, what is? I don't, I just don't get it. And it, it, it obscures the real your conversation. Your refrigerator that, runs off of fucking Windows, probably at this exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's frustrating to me to read it because, you know, I mean, there are other issues. Like there are things to look at with five G. That we should look at. And instead we're doing this stuff, you know? It's just like... Didn't I read that people are burning <sighs> 5G towers down in the UK? Or, they are, uh, dude. They are yeah. burning them down. Sounds it's a right. particular perverse 
I guess pleasure is not the right word because it makes me mad. But you know how you like sometimes you read stuff just because you want to be mad or it makes you mad and you just you get kind of addicted to it. I read Breitbart every day. <laughs> oh, my God. I read the comments on Breitbart every day to kind of get a – I read Drudge and Breitbart, a bunch of sites that I don't necessarily agree with, but I read them because I want to get a full picture of the spectrum of lunacy in this country. And uh, every single day there's a story, George Soros donates $136 million to coronavirus research or George Clooney – only George's. George Clooney donates <laughs> $10 million of fucking vodka money or – tequila money to do it, whatever it is and it and you just go right to the comments and then just watch how people turn somebody like bill gates or whoever or Alyssa milano donating millions of dollars into a negative like these are people that are actually trying to affect change and to take some of the the the, the, the fruits of their labor and the benefit of getting to, to be successful and then filtering that back into trying to make the world better for all of us and people Re- love relish the idea can't like tripping over each other to to get online and to tear them down for doing it while they're trying to save your dipshit like <laughs> uneducated ass from coronavirus or there's a billionaire who's doing nothing and it's just sitting like there's seven other billionaires who are sitting there doing absolutely nothing and and you know someone will donate or bragging 10- about or bragging about how successful they are right right like hobby lobby or making their employees go to work you know yeah and calling their business essential because people need to go to Hobby Lobby, I guess, as an essential thing. Hobby Lobby's going to go. Hobby Lobby's fucked, <sighs> and the, I mean they were probably fucked regardless. And I and I don't I don't I don't understand the motivations behind. Like they, it may have been who knows why they did what they did, but uh, boy, that wasn't a good look for them. GameStop. That's another example from our world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Telling telling people that GameStop is essential because they have delivered Doom. It's just you know? desperation. It's desperation. Yeah. yeah, but how desperate? I mean, what are you getting? Another two months, three months? I mean, it's one of the. We're, listen, over my career on this on the podcast at Rooster Teeth, one of the things I can say that I've vindicated on is the fact that I was saying the world is going to go digital. It's going to happen. Digital distribution is a thing, and I got fucking raked over the coals every time I said that uh, because people needed their discs, and it's like, how can you not see that this is the way this is going to go? By the way, dude, not only were you right, it happened way faster than I than I think even I thought it would. Really. Uh, it, it, I, I looked up one day and then everything I owned was digital and I didn't expect it. Like it happened. It felt like it happened overnight. To me. Well, if you think that was fast, just wait until 5G gets here and all those things come alive and attack you. <laughs> <laughs> Once they get activated by the signal. Like, no, I just I just feel like I remember there was conversations like we'll never have a day one digital release. And then two days later, I I didn't own a DVD or a disc in my house. <laughs> I will say this. We talk about stuff over the course of the podcast we've made over now more than a decade. Guess how many decades has it been? Three decades, <laughs> Three <please>. decades. <laughs> is I am grateful that I've learned to look for certain markers for when I should pay attention to something or when I shouldn't. And all I got to say is like these protests that happened in Michigan where people were trying to uh, end the lockdown and fight for freedom and all that is thank God for the V for Vendetta mask is, is still out there. Because if I see that in a crowd of people, I'm like, I cannot pay attention to this. I can let, <laughs> I can, I can let this go. There's a, there's a dude in a Guy Fox mask. I cannot pay attention to this. This is great. I can go look at something else. 
God. Doesn't Warner Brothers earn a commission every time one of those masks is sold? Like, it does. They're talking it about does. overthrowing society and burning it all down, but giving two bucks to, to, the, to AT&T. AT&T, right. <laughs> it's just, God, it's just so, so ridiculous. I couldn't believe when I saw that and on, somebody was wearing one of those. And it's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. But the thing, the thing about the conspiracy theory thing to me is when people go out of their way to look for numerology or they look for etymology or symbology and this is what this means and everything it's like there's stuff that pe- it allows people to operate in broad daylight in public view and do things like um you know take funds and pay it like give a 55 million dollar no bid contract for masks to a bankrupt company it's like it allows those people to do those things in plain sight and there's no there's 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 no weight to it. There's no uh, there's no justice for that. You know, it's like they can do those things because everyone's busy with all this other shit that there's no scientific basis for at all. When meanwhile, people are doing stuff in broad daylight and nobody cares. And so it's so frustrating about it to me. Yeah. 5G activated vaccine. I mean, it's just like, what? What in the world? And the problem is occasionally, <laughs> this is what sucks about it. Occasionally one of these things turns out to be right. You know, it's like, that's the tough part. Well, that's how we felt about this whole coronavirus this whole covid thing <laughs> i felt like we'd been here with sars and uh h1n1 and we ebola yeah ebola like the, the the hype and the fear had been stoked before i was like uh, in my mind i was like this is going to be another one of those and guess what it wasn't yeah and it it, go, it runs both ways gus too um because i also wasn't stay, saying stuff publicly because i had already been through the cycle so many times of saying, hey, this could be a problem and people telling me, shut up, you know, this is, you're an idiot, you're a conspiracy theorist or a prepper or something like that. I didn't really, I was watching COVID very quietly in private and I think all of you can say, like, I was talking to you guys privately saying almost nothing publicly about it. But I was, Mm -hmm. I was talking to you about like financial stuff, talking about preparation stuff, you know, I've been talking, I was talking to you about COVID for probably three weeks before I talked to any other person about it, except for maybe Gus. Yeah, but I, I feel bad now because I felt like I should have said more stuff publicly. I made a, a Twitter post in mid-January, like the 22nd, I think I said, just saying, hey, if you're not paying attention to Wuhan, maybe you should start paying attention to Wuhan. Um, yeah. But I, I was I was paying pretty close attention to it. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm glad I have that prep kit where I plan for stuff that I didn't think whatever actually really happened, but just in case, I'd rather have it now, pay for it in dollars today versus when I need to have it and, no, and I can't get it and I have to pay for it in dollars that are, you know, like a hundred bucks for an N95 mask or something like are that. You, uh, are you going to build out your toilet paper stockpile as part of that? Dude, I, I mean, that's crazy. That started in Australia and just spread across the globe, man. That... Why are people buying toilet paper? It's like, what? You're still, like, you still go to the store and there's still signs saying, like, only take one. Like, what the fuck? What is going on? It's it's crazy. And I went in, I went in late January. I did a run uh, and bought stuff like disinfection spray, hand sanitizer, and masks. And in late January, you could not get masks because they were being bought by people and then shipped to mainland China. You know, because there's a lot of people here that have relatives in China. They were already starting to disappear. They were gone from every online store. You could only go to like CVSs or Walgreens and things. And I was just, you know, why toilet paper? It's like there's so many things the world is telling you you're going to need buy those things. I bought some stuff that was, you know, it would seem like crazy stuff to buy. But it was like it was clear the world was headed in that direction. So... I regret not saying more about it. Have any of you come close to running out of toilet paper in this <laughs> crisis at any point? No. 
Not at Are all. Are you a toilet paper hoarder? I, I bought uh, 200 rolls as a joke. Well, your, your situation's a little different, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I, ha- I have what I consider to be a normal amount of toilet paper in my house, and I have yet to run out of it. I, granted, I have the benefit of having a Toto Washlet E350, and how much massages my feet? anus clean every day of my life. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know, like maybe 15 rolls of toilet paper in my house when this whole thing started. I just bought toilet paper the other day. I bought four rolls just because it was the first time I've seen toilet paper on a shelf at a grocery store. I was at Target. And I thought, oh, I'll just buy some just because it's here and because I might be running low. And so I just bought f- uh, a little pack of four. But yeah, I haven't even come close to running out that I know of. Jeff, I think you were off the podcast when we had this revelation, but... Uh, we realized years ago that in the bathroom, half the world sits down on the toilet to wipe their butt and half the world stands up to wipe their butt. And the one half does not know that the other half of the world exists. And any, anytime that comes up, people freak out. They're like, you stand up to wipe your butt? What does that mean? Uh, what I've learned in this is that the way that people use toilet paper is incredibly varied. I saw a Reddit thread where... People were talking about the toilet paper thing and why are people buying so much? I have five rolls that's going to last me two months, and like that would. And the other people were like, "That's going to last me like a week." Five rolls. I go through like a roll a day, and people like, "How much are you shitting?" I, it's like, well, I use twenty about twenty to twenty five squares every time I wipe. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! And people were like, "How do you are have you an asshole left? Are you insane?" And then other people were like, "Is that insane?" That's exactly what I do too. There are my people who like, would be bleeding. <laughs> if I wiped my asshole that, I'd be, it'd be like digging a hole to China. I'd wipe through the front no, of no, me. No, no, you're misunderstanding. It's 25 squares a wipe. They wrap their hand in <gasps> toilet paper. 25 squares, wipe. That goes down the toilet. Then they do another 20 and then wipe again. I We need a class on this. We do, people, it's we like need a boxer's glove every time well, you fucking... Oh, my God. You don't, you don't learn it. There's no consistent teaching not true wiping your not ass true. <laughs> what do you mean Join the army they will make you watch a video on it what's the appropriate <laughs> amount then according to the army what's the appropriate amount <laughs> i don't remember damn it <laughs> it was like three wipes or something what's your minimum square wipe i've settled in to uh, right these days I'm, I'm comfortable with four yeah i'm about four well, or five probably to be fair gus is vegan now so he cleans himself <laughs> like a cat he just like, <laughs> <laughs> most <laughs> Most of mine, too, it's like, it's how long do I want to sit on the dryer before I stand up? A lot of my toilet paper <laughs> consumption, honestly, at this point, goes to drying off soggy balls because I have got oh my, my spray God. up too high or whatever, where like, I don't know if I was having this conversation with Michael the other day because he has a, a bidet toilet, too. I, I don't know if you guys have them, but uh, it's a... No. Uh, I said my balls just are getting wetter and wetter. I got to do something about my. Maybe I'm oscillating too hard. I don't know. They're just hanging lower. It's a whole thing. Do you have it set for a woman? No, I have it set for a man. I have it set, and I even okay. moved it back a little bit further. So now I have to like kind of position more to get my butthole right over the water. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm old and my balls hang too low. Do you shave? Shave my balls? Yeah. Ah. Uh, like yeah, like once every. Very rarely, but a couple like maybe once every six weeks. Shave it down a little bit. Would you benefit from a small vent that just blew air to swing your testicles slightly forward of the jet? Well, the the toilet already blows hot air. It's just a matter of like, how long do you want to sit on a toilet getting your asshole blow dried before you stand up? You don't, you don't always have that kind of time. <laughs> I'd be in there right now. But I, I I've one. noticed that that most of my toilet paper consumption now is a, it's a check to make sure things are clean back there after the after the washing, and then a, a damp, uh, just a, a patting of the balls to dry them off. <laughs> 
I, you know, Jeff, I would have one of these by now. I just yeah. don't have an outlet near my toilet. I didn't either. My so uh, full disclosure, I have wanted one of these for years because of Howard Stern talks about them. And Emily, my girlfriend, she listens to. Uh, uh, which, by the way, I get made fun of all the time for saying Emily, my girlfriend. People are like, "Yes, we know you have a girlfriend," but I just think a lot of people might not know that I have a girlfriend and her name is Emily, and we have employees named Emily. But whatever. She's uh, lovely, anyway. by the way. Also, yeah, she's, she's a great girl. Out, yeah. Is it okay to say what she does for a living? Uh, she's a hairstylist. She owns a hair salon. How how valuable is that right now? That I'm assuming you guys are quarantining together. That you she, live with a person who can cut hair. Oh yeah, she's cut my hair a couple times already, oh, and she you, has to deal with she has to deal with like I'd say probably five to ten times a day. People are like, "Would you please break quarantine and come over to my house and cut my hair in my kitchen?" And she's like, "No, I, I no I no." So here Damn. here's an example of the momentum of society that I think is key, is that your girlfriend, you said her name? Can I say her name? Oh, her name is Emily. Okay, got it. Okay. I was going to say real fast before you go there. Did we lose Jeff? What, what happened? Am I not? Oh, shit. You changed, you changed input sources, it sounds like. You're good now. No, you're good now. Okay. I don't know what that happened. It just did that on its own. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I know why it happened. Audacity crashed. Audacity crashed. Wah, wah, suck it, Nick. Uh, sorry, Nick, or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> Eric just wrote fuck. In I mean, anyway, these, these files are long now. Yeah, we should probably stop soon, huh? And I'll yeah, try pretty, to we'll stop it pretty soon. Should we do another one of these again sometime? Yeah, let me uh, here. Let me start a new fuck. Well, let me save fuck. While <laughs> Jeff does that, I'll do the point I was interrupting him with, which is the momentum of society. I think everyone has this notion that we're going to reach day 200 or 100, and all of a sudden everything's going to be lifted and everyone rushes back out and it's society is normal. But even if you take something as simple as getting a haircut, it's going to take you months to get a haircut because everyone's going to need a haircut. Everyone thinks they're going to get a haircut day one. It's just not going to happen. We're not going to head back into the world that way. It's going to take you, unless the, the hairstylists want to work triple shifts for four months, it's going to take forever to work through everyone who's going to need a haircut. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot yeah. that goes back into starting society back up again. Or even just the process of getting a vaccine to everyone, manufacturing and then distributing Seven potentially seven billion. Like, how, how long do you think that's going to take? And it, listen, Gus, just you saying that if you're going to inject everyone in the world, or if it's nasal gel or whatever, if you're going to give everyone in the world a vaccine, you've got to take the time to make sure it's tested and that it's going to be effective. You know, mm -hmm. you just you have to take that time. You mean you can't just get up on a press conference and say, I don't know, try chloroquine on. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. I've heard good things ingest it you know of all the crazy things i have in my prep kit i have some of that because that's what they gave us on the amazing race for an anti-malarial drug it's about five yeah. years expired at this point uh <laughs> but yeah it's i i have some of that because they, they gave it to us just in case do you guys know what happens to medicine when it expires it just becomes less effective yeah it just becomes less effective you could still yeah. i think take it yeah. you can the fda makes hmm. you put an expiration or a best buy date on stuff probably the best example of that there's a brand of salt that's like Two and a half million year old salt, and that's the age of the salt. And then after you buy it, it expires in like nine months, which is just, <laughs> it's, they have to put it on there, you know? Yeah. Are you guys using like everything in your pantry now? No. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I, yeah. I, I, it's really changed in positive ways for me if you want to find a silver lining. This whole thing has like changed my relationship with food, changed my relationship with waste and everything. It's been 
it's been a learning experience. I wish it had come in a different way, but it I I have to take away uh, some of the learnings that I've had from Yeah, that. I'm not wasting shit from my fridge anymore. But the stuff nope. in the pantry will last a long time, and I, I kind of feel bad eating it just in case I need it later. Definitely been eating leftovers. All right. So are we are we are, are we are we wrapping this up here pretty soon? What are we what are we doing? Are you guys eating out? Where are we going for? Where are we going for lunch? This is our where are we going for lunch? <laughs> but the but the pandemic version of it. I already hung out with you recently. Uh, <laughs> what, what month are we going to lunch? <laughs> I ordered food last weekend, and that was the first time in over a month. I. St- started ordering like three or four nights a week at the beginning because I was afraid of like restaurants closing and, and uh, yeah. I have some friends that own bars and restaurants. So we were trying to order from them just to help support them. But I started to get paranoid. And so I've all, I've quit ordering out completely. Yeah. I think I had a pizza last week once and then I just, I was paranoid the whole time I ate it. Next time we talk about this, we should have Jason Saldana on. I've been talking to him about it. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of thoughts about it. And he's, he, you know, with two young kids and everything too, he's been really careful about everything that he's done in terms of exposure. So I bet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we should definitely have them one. Love I Jason. talk to Jason now more than ever for some reason. Well, you and I do because we hang out with him all the time. Gus, unfortunately. <laughs> all right. All right. What are you guys doing? <laughs> We've just had, that, had this thing that we do every once in a while where uh, Jason will text us and say, hey, let's meet after dinner or after work. And then we'll plan to, and then Gavin and I will show up, and then Gus is nowhere to be found ever. I've only missed the last two. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. That is not, it's not bullshit. That is mm-hmm. a fact. It's at least three. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Two. Mm-hmm. And it happens so often that three could be a year. <laughs> well, I just want you to know that all of you can suck my dick for not inviting me to that. So I appreciate you all very much. Dude, I went to your house the other day. During, I broke quarantine <laughs> to go hang out with you. This is one of the craziest things ever. I, I know we got to stop, and Eric and Nick have stuff they got to do, but... Uh, I was on my front porch in latex gloves and a mask, uh, or nitrile gloves and a mask. You uh, look like you're about to perform surgery. Uh, you know what I was doing? I was bringing groceries into my house. And uh, it's funny because I've been playing with like an old school Halo group um, with like Aaron and Eric and uh, Kumail's in that as well. And I, I got on that night, was playing Halo with them, and I said, guys, I hit a new record. It only took me 45 minutes to get my groceries into the house from the front porch. Um, because I have a whole process by which I do it. And they were all impressed because I guess it takes them like days at a time to move stuff in. But I had like the gloves on, the mask and everything, moving my groceries and like disinfecting the bags and stuff. And I saw, I live on like a a cul-de-sac, which is like just a street with, it's like dead end, but circular dead end if you're not familiar with what a cul-de-sac is. Uh, Not a lot of traffic on it. And this pretty young lady drives by on a bike and uh, she drove by and I thought, oh, there's somebody like riding down my street. And we made eye contact and I was conscious of the fact that I was wearing a mask and gloves and everything. And then uh, she was riding with this guy and he rode by too. And I realized, oh, that's fucking Jeff and Emily. They're right by. They rode by right in front of my house. And I, I've never run into anybody that I know in town or ever. And it's just like, I not, why was I out on my front deck at that point in time to where I could see them? And uh, yeah, it was like the weirdest coincidence that I was out there as you guys just happened to ride by. Totally didn't mean to be riding. I didn't even realize I was in your neighborhood. I was just, I, I was going a different route. We don't ever typically go that way. And I was just bored and uh, was just totally lost in my head. And I heard my name and I looked up and I saw <laughs> the Surgeon Burns. On his <laughs> I was just like, it was such a weird moment. I looked, I'm like, holy shit, I'm at Bernie's house. I, how did I even get here? Maybe it was like sense memory or something, but it, uh, uh, yeah, I was completely confused as to why somebody was calling my name, and then it was you. And uh, granted, we maintained a, a very healthy distance, but we got to hang out and talk for about twenty minutes. Um, 
I would say 15, 20 minutes. It was really nice. You're the only person I've hung out with since the quarantine started. Yeah, that's the most amount of socialization I've had too in like a month and a half outside of my own family. It's crazy. God, it's so crazy. I would say that we probably maintained a good 30 to 40 foot distance. Yeah. And some elevation yeah, too. You were in more danger yeah, than some I was. Elevation. I was definitely breathe, breathing your, your fumes for sure. But I had my mask, so I was fine. I'm all good. <laughs> million, million and a half people in this town, and I fucking ran into you <laughs> weird. in a quarantine. So weird. weird. It's good, though. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me back on the podcast, guys. Yeah, no problem. And uh, in summary, just so we should remember, uh, so we, I just want to wrap this whole thing up. A couple things. Uh, Bernie suggests taking all the expired medicine. He says, it's fine. You'll be good. Uh, <laughs> Bernie also says homeless people in Austin are subhuman and should be avoided at all costs. And Bernie hates the entire state of Alabama and wants to burn it down. All Bernie Burns words, not Also, else. take all the LSD you can. No. Yeah, and take as much LSD as possible. <laughs> take drugs if you're young because your body can take it. Let's represent me correctly <laughs> on this. <laughs> Once again, not in management. <laughs> <laughs> So I made a joke. Uh, I made a joke on Twitter the day where I said something, and somebody just wrote to me, "Bernie, that's it. You're canceled." And I said, "Can't cancel me if I'm not relevant, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate armor. <laughs> nice try, asshole. I don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> my evil scheme is coming to light now. All right, well, I'm gonna go hug my baby. All right, All right see you. Uh, All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Stay healthy, everybody.